podcast uh it's that time we're uh, in the final episode of our month-long themed episode string spooktober uh, monster movie month my name is sam i'm here alongside nathaniel and tim hello Sade. so i think i peaked there so this is this <laughs> is this is the end guys <laughs> definitely peaking uh so this is the end <laughs> Um, and like the last episode, which was our penultimate episode, this is the end, which is also the last Lemony Snicket book. The podcast this is, is the one, done. the ultimate. I just can't gun to get respect <laughs> the, thir- the, the 13th book of a series of unfortunate events is called The End. Yeah. Isn't, th- isn't th- that fun? Th- that's correct. Did, did I you feel get, like we well, went into, in, did, into did, that in depth. Yeah, <laughs> did, did, you, did you guys read a series of unfortunate events? <laughs> 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 no, uh, but. This is the end. It's the dramatic conclusion of our of our fun little month about horrible people that make movies that we all watch. And just like in those movies, we're already being gaslit by our host, telling us what we haven't and have already talked about. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to review the tape if we talked about that. But I'm just a lemony snicket head. release the tapes. Release it, dude. The tapes are, I know it's out there. are out there for everyone. The truth is out there. Hashtag it was released, it was released shortly before this. But, yeah, so we're getting towards the end of October here. And, in fact, Halloween is coming up. It's coming on up. Right, do you guys have a plan for your Halloween costumes? The mustache I'm pretty sure can... Halloween was canceled. <laughs> Didn't wait. We covered that last time, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, we're in the throes of fall. It's getting uh, cold. I feel like we should have done just like one less episode. Like can we just do the same episode? No, again? No, 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 no. I feel like so. So I feel like September and October, like like September was unexpectedly cold for like. I feel like September usually in Minnesota is, which is where we're recording from, is pretty is pretty warm most of the time. People think of Minnesota as the state of frigid winters, which isn't untrue. But I feel like in September it's not unusual for it to be high seventies, even eighties. Yeah, well, most of September like twelfth to twenty second was in the seventies. Okay, well then I'm just I'm just fixated on how cold it got you know, at the beginning the of September. <laughs> at the end of September, dog, it was it's been frigid. Well, that was over a month ago, but it, uh, so it is ago. cold like it was. <laughs> um, it is currently cold, and Halloween is in fact canceled. Unfortunately, there was that big push to make it not canceled. We many bar owners complained. People were everywhere, dressed up. They were picketing in their costumes. I saw, I saw people dressed as Michael we Myers. I saw people dressed corn. as a we COVID particle, corn. and they were protesting. Yeah, that was Co- wild. COVID particle is the uh, costume of the year for sure. And how do you think they're making that? Like, because so you st- you have to make yourself into a giant ball. What is the standard giant ball costume material for like DIY? Pumpkin. Well, it makes me think of those things that uh, in high school when we had to make the model of the cell and you use those styrofoam balls and cut them in half. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Draw the little things. You think that they got like a big one with like a person-shaped tube that you can like slip on? You know. 
I mean, I know that. I saw it. I, I guess, I guess, like the ones I saw were so high quality that you know, I really, you couldn't really tell what they were made out of. Uh, like those, uh, those viral proteins, the 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 capsid attachment proteins that are poking out um, uh, the little sticks for you know for the those who don't know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. those, it's a, it's just, I mean, the amount of workmanship that has gone into this, uh, I can understand why they're protesting. Yeah, I think another big costume was. Uh joe biden with a razor scooter after he did that front flip at the first debate <laughs> that's right that's right yeah, that was that huge happened. it was after the debate on the debate half pipe yeah 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 and actually the craziest part dude was trump applauded and said damn he gets my vote <laughs> <laughs> yep can't argue with a fucking actually, front flip dude he said i quit i can't do that yeah, the president it, should be able to do a sick fucking trick with a razor scooter, made in his size, an adult size, please. But you know, a razor scooter nonetheless. That is the yeah. standard brand for this. We're we're also uh, getting close to that election. Um, razor is like the um, uh, what's the basketball company? Uh, Spalding. Yeah, Spal. They're like the Spalding of scooters. Mm. And apparently Spalding wasn't a big enough deal that I could remember their name, but you know, uh, but sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, the election approaches. The election and, uh, is like four or five days away. Yeah. It's, Any uh, uh, predictions? Five. Um, I predict. I predict. I predict a riot. I predict a riot. No matter who wins, we both lose. No, that's not true. <laughs> there's yeah, one clear. Yeah, uh... There's un, uh, there's there's one who. He, it's not that he's a great candidate. In fact, he's quite the opposite of a great candidate. But it's um. But he's not. Uh, he's not orange. Yeah, he's uh. <laughs> Finally, another white president. <laughs> How long we've waited? Gosh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, not to. Let's avoid the uh, upcoming politics. Um, Because it's not on everyone's mind. Uh, It's not like everyone is already losing, you know, a lot of sleep over this. Hopefully we can can, uh, give you a little escape from that and talk about, you know, sexual predators in Hollywood. Yeah, other other sexual predators. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so anyway this is being recorded in october and uh let's hear about uh harvey weinstein our monster of this month the final conclusion of monster movie month yeah the final boss of monster (laughs) movie month the rat king himself um yeah, he's he's he's, he's, dude, he's 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 the worst of them all. Oh, for and, uh, sure. I mean, I, I think you know, going through this this his, this lurid history, I'm gonna uh, try to be as brief as possible because I think <laughs> I, th- I think I think we know, I know why that gets me. But it, <laughs> he, look, he looks like a fat fucking rat, dude. He looks just, uh, just yeah. Ogre. And actually, not to like jump ahead in the you know story here but during his i mean his his, his, the shape of his body became kind of a a deep 
topic in his, like the it came trials. up in court, didn't it? His yeah. egg shaped dick. Yeah, yeah. They, they talked about <laughs> do you or I, do you not have an egg shaped dick? I don't know about the egg shaped dick. I just heard that like supposedly he was quote physically repulsive when he was naked. Wasn't so it like, him that had an egg shaped dick? No, it was it was either him or Trump. <laughs> no. Yeah, Trump apparently has a uh, fucked up dick too. Yeah, I mean the person who said it is not necessarily a credible source, but don't we well, all? Well, she definitely knows her dicks. What? I said, don't we all? It was Stormy who said that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Stormy Daniels. She would know. I mean, she she would, but I mean, I'm not 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 to you know believe all women, you know, so not to you know say that I. You I know, mean, if I were if I were to. Uh, believe someone on a, a, like a, like their dick rating i feel like a porn star would like have like a good frame of reference for like fucked up dicks you know but wouldn't they also have like a pretty good like reason to i mean because this isn't like a sexual assault issue wouldn't they have had a good reason to um i guess go public with like exaggerated detail like because they have a platform to do so i, I just choose to believe trump has a fucked up dick i i you know what? I bet the tip of his dick looks like his hair does when it blows in the wind somehow. <laughs> it's like wispy hair on like on the tip of his dick. Yeah, just like... Like his, his dick has the same hair. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like the hair follicles you got on your chin where they make like, you know, hard, straight hair? Yeah, That's yeah. what he's got like on the tip of his cock. <laughs> just all just all around. In like a ring or like the whole thing? It, it looks kind of like... So I've heard that cats have like he, spines like, comb, on their comes dick it over. and like when cats are fucking, it like rips it up. They have barbs on it, their dick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, really? That's what his dick looks like, but it's made out of hair. For whose pleasure? Ribbed for... No, it... Spiked it, it, for it, no it one's goes, pleasure. It goes in and then like hooks itself in until they uh, ejaculate yeah. and then it recedes in. Yeah. That well, is and it also alien, it also dude causes massive inflammation of the vaginal opening which prevents other males from copulating with her <laughs> jesus all right things you hey. didn't know that you needed to know but Evolution. you can now not unknow <laughs> yeah, now, and now let's talk about weinstein that's okay. why i'm a dog person so so um i really didn't know too much about weinstein before he got in massive amounts of trouble um but he has had a production company for a pretty long time with his brother, <laughs> the uh, Rat King. Yeah, yeah, the Rat King, and and <laughs> what if that's what and, like everyone called you behind rat your back? Deputy. And, like, there's nothing you could do about it. <laughs> Stop calling me that. All right, continue. Sorry, <laughs> very serious topic here. Um, but yeah, so um, they founded their company Miramax, and um, they personally led the company. Him and his brother Bob Weinstein uh, from '79, you know, 1979 to 2005. Um, they merged off into their own Weinstein company um, in March of 2005, Weinstein. and they departed from Miramax. Interestingly, Miramax is actually a combination of their parents' names, Mira and Max. A fun little factoid there. Um, but. Harvey Weinstein had been known to engage in what was known as the casting couch, which is basically you oh. treat finding particularly female, almost exclusively female um, talent for your films, basically in a pornographic kind of sexually abusive and predatory manner. And rumors had been circulating around for a long time in Hollywood that he had been engaging in these kind of practices professionally as early as 98 um gwyneth peltrow herself said on david letterman that he will coerce you to do a thing or two um in, by 2005 courtney love 
in an interview advised young actresses to, you know, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private party in the Four Seasons, don't go. Damn. By 2010, an article for Pali, or Paiba, which is a magazine I'm not familiar with, but entitled Harvey's Girls, um, said every few years he picks a new girl as his pet. Hmm. Um, many comedians, including Seth MacFarlane, um, made jokes about this publicly, probably in an attempt to try to get him called out. Uh, Seth MacFarlane specifically at the 2013 Academy Awards told the Best Supporting Actress nominees, congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. No, I remember, I remember that. Mm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's as like soon as these secret. allegations were published, Tarantino said he had known about it for decades and had personally confronted him about it. Uh, he got a lot of flack because he continued to work with him. Um, but uh, And, of course, he knew, knew about it, and people were like, why did you continue working with him? Uh, they have now... S- they terminated their professional relationship, but it was easy to do so because Harvey... <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. But... um. So, journalists had been trying to talk about this for a long time. Um, A lot of people would not speak on the record about it because he was so powerful in Hollywood and so renowned for his, you know, producing power and his ability to get money and talent onto the projects that basically required them. Um, He was questioned in 2015 by police after a 22-year-old woman accused him of touching her inappropriately. The the New York Times actually reported this. Um, She was an Italian model, Ambra Gutierrez, um, and she cooperated with the NYPD and got an audio recording surreptitiously where Weinstein admitted to having inappropriately touched her. The The police investigation continued and became public, and tabloids began publishing negative stories about her that portrayed her as an opportunist, including... Is, the, is that the tape where like he's like trying to get her like inside his hotel room? Have you guys heard that one? I haven't heard that. He, he's like, uh, he's like just trying to like coerce her to like, he's like, come on. He's, she's like, no, like, you know what happened last time? He's like, he's like, I'm not gonna do anything. He's like, just yeah, come in. I think that in. might be like, it. Yeah, yeah, it's like super fucked up. Yeah, All right. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the National Enquirer, who's actually, I think, they they're known for their relationship with Trump. Actually, um, they they agreed to suppress the allegations by her and Rose McGowan. Um, eventually, Manhattan District Attorney decided not to file charges and said there was insufficient evidence of criminal intent. Um, local police had considered the evidence sufficient and he did not take their advice. Um, by 2018 in July, um, the, uh, Greek journalist, uh, Taka Theodora, Taki Theodorakopoulos, um, said, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Sam can edit that out, but I didn't get his name right the first time. Taki Theodorakopoulos? That's great. Theodora Kapolos, um, very, very Greek uh, surname, but he told the spectator that um, Weinstein did say to him candidly that he offered girls acting jobs in exchange for sex, and everyone does that. Um, and then the allegations started to roll in, um, because I believe it was 2017, actually, when... The New York Times, I think, ended up breaking. One sec here. 
Yeah, so actually, in October 2007, the New York Times and the New Yorker both reported that a lot of women were accusing him of rape, sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual harassment over a period of over 30 years in the industry. At the time, there were over 80 women who, who accused him of such Jesus. acts, and he denied at the time any non-consensual sex. It didn't really take long before he was dismissed from the Weinstein company that he helped create and was, yeah, expe I mean, and was expelled a... from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and all of his other professional associations. Um, and this also kicked off uh, the Weinstein effect, which where the Me Too movement was actually able to take down a significant number of powerful men for sexual offenses in a way that was not really possible before because they had been so shielded from public scrutiny. Um, but, yeah. but so I have the list, like the general list of women who have names who have, uh, confronted him. And the list that I am looking at has 106 women on it. Um, it spans over two pages in this word document, um, all single spaced, just to give you some context here. Um, Man. it's, it's a lot of, it's a. It's a binder full of women, you might, uh, you know, one, one senator might have said. Um, but so he actually decided, I guess, to give a response to the New York Times. The New York Times won a Pulitzer for this investigation, by the way, um, for public service, because their public service was putting Weinstein in fucking jail. Um, um, but he responded and said, I appreciate the way I've behaved with colleagues in the past has caused a lot of pain, and I sincerely apologize for it. He said it was going to take a sabbatical, work with therapists to deal with this issue head on. Um, his lawyer, Lisa Bloom, described him as an old dinosaur learning new ways. What the fuck? Uh, she was criticized for her handling of, you know, his defense and ended up having to terminate her professional relationship with him by October of 27th of 2017. So didn't last long. Um, after two days, he hired um, the public relations company Citric and Company that specialize in crisis PR, and they didn't last with him past April of 2018. They dropped him as a client because he was just irredeemable which is you know good they shouldn't be defending that fucker um his attorney said that he was going to sue the new york times but um they never did and then by two weeks later that attorney was no longer working for him either um the uh his spokesperson said any allegations of non-consensual sex are unequivocally denied by mr weinstein mr weinstein has further confirmed that there were never any acts of retaliation against any women for refusing his advances mr weinstein has begun counseling has listened to the community and is pursuing a better path mr weinstein is hoping that if he makes enough progress he will be given a second chance he was given 106 chances at least um but um but he's Yikes. just an old yeah, dinosaur. But so, so the, the banter continues. Various disgusting lawyers continue to, you know, defend the casting couch and saying, you know, tac basically, tacitly, everyone is doing it, which, of course, is not true at all. Um, um, NYPD were getting ready to arrest him, as you know, and they ended up dropping that case. Um It goes on, though, to the New York City Criminal Court 
and he is released on a $1 million bail, but he had to surrender his passport as a flight risk, and he had to wear an ankle monitor. Um, By July 2018, um, he got an additional charge of predatory sexual assault against an unnamed woman he allegedly forced into oral sex uh, 12 years earlier. Um, A judge dismissed one of those charges, but by February 4th, 2018, Weinstein was found guilty by a jury of rape in the third degree and a criminal sexual act in the first degree, and not guilty on three other counts, including two more serious charges of predatory sexual assault. That was a big, big moment when that when that dropped. It was because he, he did get with, uh, 23 rape. years in prison. Yeah. Um, by gnarly. so so on Mar- in March 2020, that was when the sentence happened. He was sent to jail right before COVID got really, really bad. He was 60. He's 67 this year um, and he's not in great health. Um, uh, you know, poor him. Um, and he could very well die in prison. However, he was able to get out of Rikers by insisting that his health was so severe that he could get COVID there because COVID is pretty bad in prisons uh, right now. It's not really getting a ton of attention, but look it up. Um, so he got a transfer to a lower correctional facility called Wend. L.A. was pursuing separate criminal charges against him, and he's got more charges of sexual battery. So, you know, he's going to be in jail for a long time. I'm not sure how it works when another jurisdiction goes forward when you're already serving time in a different jurisdiction. Like, do you just get time added on in the jurisdiction you're in, or are you going to have to transfer and serve that other stuff after? I think it probably depends. Okay. I think it's a transfer. Um, Just from, like, forensic files where people are released but then like another state is looking for them i don't know if like they're working together because he would get eaten up in san quentin yeah i don't know it'd be a it'd be a very nice place for weinstein to go i don't condone violence against prisoners but he's you know he's a real real bad guy san quentin is considered like a like a vacation to like some prisoners it's like a really good prison they have like work programs and shit and that's that okay that's okay i'm i'm behind on that then because like the san quentin that i was familiar with is like the san quentin of like you know nonfiction in the 70s and stuff Mm. and they talk about how you know it's just run by you know it's just incredibly racialized and you know you have to join a gang to survive yada yada so if it's changed since then that's good yeah i listened to a podcast called ear hustle and uh with like erlon woods and like it's all about like that that prison and like inside uh, life inside that prison and it's actually considered to be a, a uh, kind of luxurious spot well shit color me wrong i mean that you know prisons should improve you know by you know by no means do you know do i really encourage that weinstein gets killed in prison but it sounds like there's a good chance covid might kill him in prison anyway he's a fat fuck as the court has already, you know, <laughs> talked about. It seems like it seems like that's a very, very popular sort of um and again, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it, but it seems to be a very popular shaming tool in courts for these kinds of cases. Like, isn't the shape of Bill Clinton's dick documented in like I know we were talking about other other weird dicks, but I think like the physical description of it, including like length when erect, is like in a court like document. Like it's just publicly available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Michael Jackson had that as well. I believe it was five inches long and pink. <laughs> Are you talking about Clinton? Yeah. Yeah, he was known for being a ladies' man, but he, you know, didn't have a gargantuan penis. Um, 
word. <laughs> but and but yeah, so I know. mean, so yeah. Long story we short, Weinstein today. is the Rat King. He is he is the final boss. He is the monster to end all monsters. He has probably. I can't even imagine how many more victims who haven't, you know, spoken up and given their name because they don't want to be dra- dragged through a media, you know, truncheon or whatever the, you know, like, you know, more power to them for doing what they feel they need to do with Moon to move on with their lives and to seek help for their trauma because Jesus Christ, this guy is <laughs> yucky. Gross. Yeah, but so, so. I really was rooting to watch a movie called Frida that was directed by him because was it directed dis- by him? Uh, I or, sorry, no. it was produced by him. It was directed oh, okay. by Hel- by Selma Hayek, and she starred in it as well oh, uh, yeah. as Frida Kahlo. But so the reason why I was pushing for this so hard is because Weinstein. And his lawyers repeatedly, as I said before, tried to claim that he didn't seek vindication against people who refused his advances or people who, you know, tried to speak out against his behavior. And Selma Hayek um, gave a very long statement where she basically said that he was a monster and drank, you know, the production of that movie. And he at one point threatened to kill her because she didn't want to over-sexualize Frida Kahlo. And he didn't think it was sexy that she portrayed her as walking with a limp after she got in a car accident. Oh. Frida Kahlo getting in a car accident. Um, And it's just like, yeah, that, that tracks with being a gross guy, Um, you know? And, you know, you don't threaten to kill Selma Hayek. She's a national fucking treasure. <laughs> She's a continental treasure. <laughs> North America is blessed to have her. Um, I don't think that Harvey Weinstein deserves to have a movie that, you know, Selma Hayek did a good job and directed it well, and it's, you know, critics agree that it's a good movie. Yeah. He doesn't no, deserve yeah, that. There's, yeah, there's no point in... Well, because, you know, he, he's, he he's had, not the he, artist. He's he the funder. No, he right? had no part yeah. in that. Yeah, so to say, yeah, to separate the art from the artist, that'd be obvious, because he's not the artist. Yep. You can't... Yeah. In, um, instead, that, we went with Scary Movie 5, which is a an awful movie that he <laughs> greenlit. He greenlit it, and it was only made because of him. This movie is... And and I, I came to appreciate really why you picked this movie, because I think this movie also had, I mean, he didn't write it, but it has a script and a direction that really encapsulates his values. Like, it, it, it seems yeah. very obvious that he enjoyed this film, and it is truly awful. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, and we'll save it for the final conclusion. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is abysmal. Um... I mean, like I feel like sometimes when you when you listen to these kind of things, it's it's like customary to like, oh, I should probably see that movie too. Don't see this movie; it fucking sucks. It's, I, it's I think to... our listeners should watch it. You should watch it before listening to this episode, <laughs> if you want. I mean, I mean, otherwise we're just gonna go through it for you, save you. It's an hour and a half. This movie is... It's not quite 90 minutes. It's like 86. Okay, okay. Which, typically when something's under 90 minutes, you know that it's bad. I I, I do like a nice movie that isn't bloated. Like, two hours is, like, the limit for me with the movie. Like, anything after two hours, I'm thinking constantly about what can be taken out of it. But, like, 90 minutes is, like, the perfect amount of time for a movie. Yeah, not not just like one long sketch though, like this movie was. 
Yeah, this movie was very confusing. So let's let's hop into I it. I didn't even know what it was about. I have no idea. Did it have a plot? <laughs> Loosely. Yeah, it had a plot. Hmm. Was it a good it was, plot? No. It was spoofing other movies. Save it. Save it. We'd, let's not get our uh, a little bug our views in yet. But uh, yeah. So let's get into it. All right. So this week's film is uh, Scary Movie 5, the fifth installment or of the Scary Movie franchise. And last, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, then they... They uh, switched over to, there was like a haunted house, I think was like the newest one. Oh, I'm not sure. But yeah, I've seen speculation online about a scary movie six, but this movie was pretty poorly received and did not make the money, which is typically the determination on making it, which is part of the reason why I picked it. I think, I think Harvey Weinstein had a big hand in making this movie happen because the first four were profitable and I think they were just trying to chase that. So they're just trying to pump them out. Um, so scary movie one, I'm just going to go through how much they, how much money they generated worldwide. Scary movie one made $278 million worldwide. Holy shit. Scary gross mo- or profit? Uh, gross. Um, scary movie two, which didn't do as well and came out, uh, either a year or under a year later. So it definitely was sped up. To try to cash in. That made $141 million. And a lot of people felt it wasn't as good as the first one. Then some time passed. And then they came out with Scary Movie 3. Which was the first one with a PG rating. The first two were rated R. PG-13. Yeah, yeah, PG-13. PG-13 is what I meant. Uh, It it was the first one with a PG-13 rating. And they all were PG-13 going forward after that point. Going for dump month. Yep. And it was directed by David Zucker, who was the director of Airplane and The Naked Gun. So it kind of just revitalized this franchise that kind of, it was profitable, but they rushed the second one. So people were, you know, it wasn't as good as that one. But so Scary Movie 3 grossed $220 million worldwide. And then they did the same thing with Scary Movie 4. You think that they would have kind of learned their lesson. Though there was like two and a half years between these ones, uh, they brought Scary Movie 4 out again. This one was actually the third most profitable at $178 million, but the quality was definitely down, and fans of the franchise felt that way. And then they came out with Scary Movie 5, uh, and it was panned by critics and fans alike, and it only grossed $72 million. Oh, wow, that's a huge... Huge dip. Huge drop. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, so yeah, the, so this movie starts out very confusing. Yeah, typically the structure of this, there's a cold open and then it gets into the story. So uh, the cold open is probably what you're referencing, but it usually starts with the cold open that's kind of separated from the rest of the film. Kind of being a huge understatement this time. Well, it typically always is. It's like typically its own thing. But huh. anyway, yeah, you guys got to see the rest of the Scary Movie franchise. That no was that, that was my original plan for this uh, final one. I was going to make everyone watch all five Scary Movies, but I knew I couldn't convince people to do that. So we went with Scary Movie 5. But, you just wait for what I'm going to have to convince you guys to do for but, the next episode arc. But... 
I did watch all five scary movies, and I will be going through each one of them. So for all you listeners who are like, God, why didn't they do all those scary movies? I, I, I did it. I put, I put the time in. I did it. No, and it was a waste of time. Um, so, scary, <laughs> so, scary movie, so Scary Movie 5 opens with uh, Charlie Sheen and Lindsay Lohan getting together to make a sex tape. True Hollywood cringe. So Charlie Sheen is trying to convince her that this is his first time making a sex tape, but in his bedroom is like 20 different video cameras pointed at, um, pointed at the bed. Including like one of those overhead ones that's like on wires, like at a football game, like it's like moving across the wires. Yep, and-, yep. and so essentially the focus of this is he's trying to convince her to make a sex tape and they just go back and forth with jokes referencing their troubles in real life with the law just kind of they're just kind of the butt of the joke but they're in it for the paycheck Um, they both took off ankle bracelets i believe yep yep so um before they're before they're about to have sex uh lindsey lohan approaches this wall full of videotapes which have all these different tapes that clearly Charlie Sheen has recorded, and he's trying to convince her that this is the first one he's recording. And right before they start, after he convinces her, we get our first glimpse of this shadowy figure that crosses in the background, um, which we later find out to be Mama is the name for this. Mama. This name for this character. So then we get a time... Time-lapse tape, which fast-forwards through the two doing all sorts of bedroom antics. But not actually fucking. They're just, like, dancing. Yeah, well, I mean, it looks like they're fucking, but it it also just continues, and they start doing, like, gymnastics. They have other people tagging in. There's Uh, a horse involved. There's a horse involved, and they have a bunch of clowns jumping under their sheets. It's just, like, kind of a clown car situation. She, like, swaps out like she's a boxer, and some other woman swaps in. Yep. Yeah, they tag in and out. Incredibly unfunny, I will say. Like, (laughs) I don't think I even... I I hadn't smirked yet, in case you're wondering. (laughs) No no exhalation that was louder than the rest. Nothing. Get that smirk alarm ready. We're keeping tabs on when Tim smirked for the first time. It'll go off. I wrote it down. Yeah, I, I wrote down my uh, four or five chuckles I had throughout the film. Wow, but, uh, four or five. Um, so when they're finished, we see Mama again, and Charlie is pulled into the air by a paranormal force and is thrown against the walls, shelves, doors, and then he ultimately lands back on the bed. This frightens Lindsay, and she decides to go home, at which point she flies into the air um, and becomes possessed. The blocking in this movie is just nonsensical. They, like During this scene, there are just so many times where like all of a sudden one of them is inexplicably out of the room and walks in as if they've been gone for like a long time. Like There's a cat that's just under the blankets, and they get a cheap boner joke out of it because, you know, it makes I think I think we saw the cat go under the blanket. Maybe we did. I don't know. I cho- I choose to believe that we didn't. Like the blocking in this is a nightmare. Like he's all of a sudden in a different place while she's floating in the air. It's it's very confusing. Hmm. So essentially, Lindsay Lohan is possessed, and she um, throws Charlie Sheen into the camera, which kills him. Uh, the screen cracks, like the lens of the camera cracks, and our screen cracks. And it creates a Roman numeral V 
indicating the five in the scary movie title appears, scary movie five. Um, we then get some text giving us some exposition. Uh, it explains that Charlie's body was found that day, but he didn't stop partying until days later. <laughs> um, and that in also in this exposition, we find out that the three kids were um, missing, but Lindsay Lohan was arrested just because the cops are so used to doing so. And uh, by the way, I had no need to know what happened to either of these like caricatures. I just like I I I just assumed that one of them was gonna go to hell and the other one was gonna die and maybe go to hell. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Like I did like like I didn't need title cards telling me. Well, I mean, it sets up the movie because it's all about the three children missing. I think is the point of it's it. A, uh, yeah, it's oh supposed to be God, paranormal activity. That's the connection. That's why you kept saying that it was relevant. Okay, okay. And yet, the anonymous mama will be very important. Yeah, I mean, it, this is setting the stage for everything. Um. So then, cut to several months later. And we are following Snoop Dogg and Mac Miller as, as they're walking in Humboldt County woods in search of cannabis plants to steal. I actually enjoyed this scene. That yeah, was my favorite part of the movie. Discussing in the woods as rappers are wont to do. Yep. And they're inter- introduced having a discussion on Obamacare. Um, and Mac Miller kind of is kind of sounding somewhat intelligent talking about Obamacare and and Snoop dismisses it because it won't help him if he gets shampoo in his dick hole. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, so that that's a big punchline and then um they go back into their plans to steal uh the marijuana off these farms and Mac is unsure of their plan to steal it. He kind of is asking questions about the morality of it and if it's okay. Uh, and Snoop convinces him that they will only steal enough for one blunt. So they continue going. Uh, cut to them after they have stolen the plants. And it shows them fleeing with people. And you can hear people chasing them. And they are carrying a comically large joint. Like, it's like the size of an I-beam. Yeah, it is rather large. It's also, they, they, he said they were going to steal one blunt. But that, that's not a blunt. Hey, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, so it was they, a joint. Yeah. So, so they have this large joint, and they they take it, they take it, and then they take shelter in. Well, they see this cabin in the woods and decide to take shelter in it. Um, Mac Miller says that this reminds him of that one movie with the cabin in the woods. Snoop responds by listing several movies with cabins in the woods. Uh, this could have been a funny joke, but it just they. Like they do a lot in this movie, it just is overkill. They just like they just run it into the ground. Yeah, man. I hope they got paid well for this bullshit because yeah, they this went on this joke went on too long. <laughs> yeah, they just are listing all these movies because yeah, there's a lot of movies with cabins in the woods, but like just the the way that they execute jokes in this movie is just anything that has like a kernel of humor, they just make sure that you are like not into it by the end because they just run it directly into the ground yeah it's like once you once you realize that was the joke that oh there's a lot of movies with cabins cabins in the woods and they, they, they don't they didn't need to a... keep 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 it going for so long you know it's yeah. just weird like huh what about that, that movie where it's actually called that and that and that and that's a thing that kind of started in scary movie four scary movie four sucks and like 
it I like the, I I honestly like the first three movies, but Scary Movie Four is when they started doing this thing where it just they let things run too long, and I think it was a thing like at the time with humor where like you know you kind of overdo things and it's funny and you like keep Family going. Guy would do exactly except for maybe and, not always funny on and they're, and they're trying to do that but it's just so poorly executed that it just is not landing. So essentially, they see this cabin and they end up entering it. As they enter, they see three strange creatures running around the floor. Um, And also the figure from earlier that we saw in Charlie Sheen's apartment. Um, Snoop and Mac pull out guns and start to shoot at the creatures. And eventually point the guns at each other. Yeah, it was... Okay, so did I miss why they pointed the guns at each other? Because they just, like, get into an inexplicable face-off. Yeah. I... It's unclear... But they start pointing guns at each other. Because rappers, of course, have guns. Herder. Yep. And so then there's this another very overly long joke where they're like, all right, drop them. And then as they drop them, they grab two more guns. And they both do it. And it happens maybe four times. And then it cuts away to them still doing it. And they... Uh, you have to go pew. And they, they uh, pull out another set... Um, and we get, we get back to them and there is a large pile of guns on the floor. Um, at which point they decide to finally stop. Um, yeah. And like, so also, did you catch that (laughs) Mac Miller's character is named DeAndre? No, no, I didn't catch that. Snoop calls him. He's like, yo, DeAndre. (laughs) Um, no, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch Snoop's name either. He probably didn't get a name. They probably just like, we can't possibly pretend this isn't Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Um, so then these creatures are later confirmed to be Charlie Sheen's children, which were missing after the thing where the title card came. Um, and Snoop and Mac turn them in for a reward. Um, Snoop says that he's going to buy a yacht. Have bitches and buy a shark. Um, and Mac Miller's like, "What? Why? What do you need a shark for?" And then we uh, we cut away, and this is when the movie kind of starts. That was like the second cold open, essentially. He also, though, at some point, I think I think Mac asked him, like, you know, with this, like, you could become a superhero. And Snoop says there are no black superheroes, and he would turn out to be wrong. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman, man. Yeah. Or uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Is Miles Morales black? Uh, the character in the movie is. Okay. Swag. I'm, I would assume he is. I'm black not... Spider-Man. So then, to start the film of like the main plot, we get a quick scene introducing Jodie Sanders, played by Ashley Tisdale. Yeah, so this movie had two intros. Yeah, well, the first one's a cold open. That's that's a common thing in this film series and also just, like, television. Kind of, like... Typically, the cold open, though, is relevant to the movie. But in yeah. Scary Movie, the cold open is usually just an, a separate, isolated little, you know, joke. Yeah, a bit on a particular movie or combination of movies. and Yeah. So we get a quick scene introducing Jodie Sanders, played by Ashley Tisdale. She's taking a pregnancy test, but clearly doesn't want to be pregnant. She's like, 
the first test she takes, it is positive, but she is not into it. She's very upset that she's pregnant. So she decides to get a second opinion and uses an app on her phone for a phone pregnancy test. So essentially she takes her phone and puts it into the toilet and pees on it. Well, this is yeah, happening. That was very confusing. While this is happening, she gets a phone call and pulls her phone out and brings it to her face. And it's just drenched in piss and it runs down her face. Um, and yeah, so there's a bit. She just puts piss on her face. And then she looks at her phone and finds out that she's actually not pregnant. When she gets up to celebrate this, um, her husband, Dan Sanders, played by Simon Rex, a.k.a. Dirt Nasty, from Scary Movie 3, and he had a brief part in Scary Movie 4. Oh my god, it is Dirt Nasty. Holy shit. Yes. I knew I had seen him somewhere before, but he had like kind of normal hair and clothing in this movie. Yeah, it's Dirt Nasty. Um, so, um, we're familiar with him from the previous two Scary Movies, and when he enters, he hits Jody with the door, and she goes flying into the toilet. Uh, Dan tells her that they found his brother, Charlie Sheen is his brother, uh, they found his brother's kids, so the three kids that were missing. This is like the, f this is the first example of the overuse of comical violence to the characters in this film. Uh, this, this whole... <laughs> Good as new. Uh, much better. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so Nathaniel's been absent for a little bit, but he's back. <laughs> so this is an example of the overuse of comical violence to the characters in the film. This is something that started in Scary Movie 1. It used to just be Anna Ferris's character getting injured. Um, and it was kind of funny. It was just her character always got hurt. And that went through the first two Scary Movies. And then in the third one, it was her son who was getting hurt all the time. So there's a little bit of a through line. It was still funny. But in Scary Movie 4, they just started having everybody just getting hurt by things. Like comical Very juvenile. Violence. Yeah, just comical violence. And it was fun. It's like, it's literally, I wrote down, um, it was like, this is like a live action Looney Tunes, almost. Yeah. And yeah, they were, the slapstick was so literal. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's funny when it's a character trait for one character. But when you do it for every single person, it's just overkill and it's bad. And that happens in this movie and um over and over and over yeah, and there it's just another example of them running into the ground and i i personally feel like this is the product of like a marketing or like like a meeting of the big wigs being like all right let's boil down why the first three were funny oh people liked when they got hurt all right let's amplify that let's hurt everyone let's just increase the stakes and make people get hurt because that's why people were laughing and they're just, it's, it's just one of those things that they thought would generate laughs. But it when you do it that much, it's just bad. Um, so then they go to this facility where the children have been. And uh, they're kind of feral. We saw them with Snoop and Mac Miller. And they had been placed in isolation at a child development research center for a few months until they were deemed well enough to be returned to familial custody. Um, this is when Dan, played by Dirt Nasty, and his wife Jody. Oh, that is Dirt Nasty. I literally just, yeah. just, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere, but oh my god, okay, makes yeah. sense. Tim had that realization too. Yeah, Dirt Nasty. Um, 
Yeah, he was in Scary Movie 3 as the 8 Mile character. Like yeah, yeah. Character. Eminem, yeah. And I think that's what started his like rap career. So I think without Scary Movie 3, we wouldn't have such a hit as Nido by uh, 3 Loco with Andy Milanakis and Riff Raff. Nido, so, Nido, hold the chorizo, snitches get stitches, show, oh, Nido burrito, whatever. Um... So Dan and Jody show up at this facility where the three children are being held um, and they're told they can have them if they agree to stay at a large suburban middle class home fitted with security cameras. The doctor, (laughs) the doctor, the doctor played by Daryl Hammond tells them that the children created a fictional parent to watch over them in their isolation, which they call Mama. Uh, Dan and Jody. Directed by Guillermo del Toro, I believe. Mama. Have you guys seen that? I haven't seen Mama. No, it's pretty good. Um, so Dan and Jody. Yeah, Mama is a film that they're referencing in this movie. They usually pick around three or four movies to reference. Like they'll throw jokes in from other movies, but typically the main plot is focused on three movies. And that's one thing that I think spells trouble for scary movie four and five i think it's just super bloated and they try to include too many movies as the main plot but uh, i can get into that later so the doctor tells them about the fictional parent mama and uh he wants dan he wants dan and jody to go in there and talk to them because dan knew them um he was like their uncle yeah he was their uncle they show a photo of him i think with like Charlie Sheen to yep. like explain their family members well, later yeah, on. That's yeah. scary movie three is they're okay. together. It's interesting um, uh, hearing together. you read this because like even though I watched this, I like I did not I like I barely even knew that there was a plot. Like <laughs> Yeah, like I think I just you're saying that you, you didn't understand how he was related to the girls because at yeah, first they yeah. did a like they waited kind of too long to explain it and it's pretty brief. Like mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, it's my niece. Like, like, oh, okay. like, like you could really easily have missed it. Yeah, I definitely missed it. Um, so Dan and Jody go in to talk to the children. Uh, one of the kids is still all dirty and acts feral. That's kind of a thing that'll happen throughout the whole movie. The middle child is just kind of she continues to be dirty and like scampers around, and she's like she's acts like, like a feral. She acts like a feral child. And the older daughter seems more normal, but still has some quirks. Like when they try to give her her glasses back and she eats them, she just chews on them. And then they make a bad joke about getting her soft contacts next time. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, uh, And then eventually they just get in a fight with the children and the, the adults and the children punch each other back and forth for far too long. Another run it into the ground situation uh after that they're back talking to the doctor and jody is reluctant to take the kids at first but they eventually agree to take them and live in the home that is uh has the security cameras um during this meeting it is revealed that jody was wearing a wig and fake tattoos they take it off her head and rip her arm sleeve off that is full of tattoos and it turns out that she is blonde which is Pretty similar to Anna Ferris's character, Cindy. I think they're just trying to they're just trying to replace 
Anna Ferris without a new character. They just, okay, we need a blonde lead. Is that the reason? That's literally the reason why she just like randomly took her wig off? Because I found that incredibly confusing. Yes. Wait, what? What happened? <laughs> the, the mom, the, I don't think I found like, this the wife, the wife character, um, she just like takes she she was wearing a bla- like that's the other thing is like if you were looking away for a second you could have missed it because she just had black hair and then all of a sudden she's got blonde hair and already we've been introduced to so many disjointed scenes with characters it's kind of just like oh well maybe it was just another one of those huh yeah i missed that too i had to because i think i had to rewind actually <laughs> because yeah i was confused um, we then get another voiceover with the narrator who is trying to emulate Morgan Freeman. We're trying to have a very similar voice to Morgan Freeman. Was it, I thought that was Morgan Freeman. It was no, it's it, not. it had points where it sounded good, but it was like a knockoff Morgan yeah, Freeman. Yeah, it's like a dollar store Morgan Freeman. No, I mean, no, no, uh, you know, shade at the actor. That's what he was cast to do, but they're trying to have like a fake Morgan Freeman. He did a good job. It sounded like Morgan Freeman. But anyway, so this narrator explains... Morgan Freeman. This narrator explains that they're they're trying to take the children and... That they are taking the children and moving into the house. We then see Dan and Jody driving in a minivan with the children. They're each holding camcorders, and it is made to look like we're seeing everything through the camcorders. They've got like... It's like it's paranormal activity. Yeah, they've got got a record symbol in the bottom right corner. So pretty much the majority of this movie is shot through different cameras, whether it be like fixed in a, a like a room. Each room has a different camera or the two main characters kind of hold camcorders the whole time. Um, so once they get to the house, they get acquainted with the new home and we see Jody try to get comfortable with the baby. We see her hit the baby's head on the door. <laughs> And then is like oh. with the baby. <laughs> you mean we see her smack a clearly baby doll around and just whack it into walls for like fucking over thirty seconds? Like yeah, we see. <laughs> Wait, she... doesn't the bit doesn't the baby like what? What does it land in? It, I actually laughed at that part. That, that, that's not yet. Oh okay. Um, so she hits the baby's head on the door and on the wall and stuff. Um, and then she brings the baby outside. And like holds it up like you do with a baby, and, and then is like ding 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 when ding, you're getting comfortable ding, with it. A l- laugh alert! This is the closest I came so far to laughing, but I didn't. So, I smirked. So she holds the baby up, and she hold, and then she goes, "Oh, what's that smell?" And your first thought is that the baby like pooped its pants, but then you it goes to a wide shot, and you see that she held the baby up in front of like a heater outside. And oh the, yeah, and the baby's head is on fire, and she's like, "Oh, what do I do?" And then Dirt Nasty grabs a fire extinguisher, sprays the baby's head, and then oh, turns yeah. and shoots it at a child who flies across the fucking backyard. The unexpected fire. I think that was the got a smirk from me. Yeah, yeah. I part, guess because I it was a baby, maybe that was like also funny. Yeah, know. babies on fire are always funny. Um, the I think that was like one of the only stunts in the movie was that. Uh, the girl flying away from the fire extinguisher or whatever. She like, cause she like, she like shoots like there's it. Plenty of flying across rooms. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, um, it, it opens with like gymnastics and shit. Like, it's just, yeah, just a very forgettable movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So later, Jody tries to bond with the oldest. Like she tried to get acquainted with the baby, and looks at the artwork. Get comfortable with the baby. <laughs> 
and looks at the artwork of the oldest child. I didn't want to miss baby night. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to miss baby night, right? No. Uh, and she looks at the artwork, and there is one creepy drawing that looks like the Deathly Hollows symbol from Harry Potter. It's like a triangle with a circle in it. It doesn't have the line going down, but it's a triangle with a circle in it. And the oldest daughter tells her that Mama drew that. Um, she also holds up a picture of like a person with like a, a giant dick. And it's just, like, just an enormous cock. Just an enormous dick. And it's like, oh, look, he's riding a rocket ship. And they're like, oh, a rocket ship. And by the way, like, this was where I really started to be like, okay, this is Weinstein's kind of fucking movie. You got, like, this, like, seven-year-old girl just holding a drawing of an enormous cock and just being like, it's a rocket. Like, you know, just the cheapest, like, don't make that little girl do that for money. That's fucked up, dude. Yeah, I was surprised at how at how much this movie got away with um, with it be only being a PG thirteen rating. Yeah. yeah, there's one thing later in a bathroom that I was surprised made it through. Um, but so as this is happening, we see the figure of Mama moving past the bathroom doorway in the background, and the feral middle child has a popsicle but is chewing the wooden handle. Uh, Dirt Nasty tells her that this is r- the wrong end. Oh God! I... And then she. <laughs> She takes the popsicle and puts it in her butt and then pulls it back out and smells it and faints. Literally the dumbest thing I've ever fucking seen in my super, whole life. Super weird. I wanted to kill myself. Super at weird that choice to have a like what seven year old girl put a wooden popsicle stick in her butt. That's just super weird. Just <laughs> it's just it's unconscionable, like, dude. Like, like I they're can't all believe like, that's that flew like yeah are they all like sitting around like a table and then like this is like this is the best that they all like collectively came up with my scene is like yeah it would be funny it would be hilarious i mean i I don't think he's (laughs) in on the writing (laughs) i wrote i wrote wrote a joke i want you guys to put in the movie i'll I'll pay extra (laughs) if if he didn't like something he could probably get it removed but i don't think he was anywhere near the writing the rat king is coming the rat king is coming Um, appease him appease him (laughs) so at this point we are introduced to their latina housekeeper maria she is clearly poor actress she is yeah i know she she is clearly very religious and attempts to bless the baby she's clearly an incredible racist stereotype of like mexican like maid archetype there there Mm. there's one uh footage from her bedroom that is just so bad but uh so then we cut to (laughs) so then we'll get to that don't worry (laughs) so then we cut to dan at his job he is working at a research facility where he's trying to test apes that they're giving a drug to make smarter. Oh, yeah, super weird. That yeah, then they have parallels to Rise of the Planet of the Apes is what they're. Which is not here. a horror movie. I well yeah, I, I I think there was such success with them doing Eight Mile in Scary Movie Three that they add. Oh yeah, Eight I Mile thought, wasn't a horror movie. I either. thought that this was supposed to be a reference to Twenty Eight Days Later, leading up to it. Mm, no, like, definitely. Chip no, Rise of the Planet. Of the, it's named Caesar, which yep, is Caesar. Like, oh, okay, Caesar's the go. same monkey. Yep. Um, okay. So we're at this research facility where they are trying to make apes smarter. We meet Dan's boss, played by Terry Crews. He comes in and we're shown different rooms with the trials they're conducting. We see monkeys throwing their shit at dartboards, but now they're able to keep score. We then go to the next room, which is full of reality wives who are fighting. I'm not familiar with whatever show they're talking about, but I'm sure it's one of the 
you know, real housewives of something or other. Yeah, her, her women, am I right? Always fighting and attacking each other. At this point, uh, Terry Crews' character tells him that the ape that the ape that Dirt Nasty is working with uh, must show signs of intelligence for the board meeting coming up. We then cut back to Jody at the house. Well, before we cut back to Jody at the house, can we just talk about how as soon as Terry Crews showed up, I thought, oh no, they're going to make him do like a lame like race joke. And sure as I unfortunately <laughs> expected... He's he's forced to take part in a super super lame race joke, and this actually sets Lots this, of race this, jokes this in sets this movie. the stage for any time there is a non-white character. The first thing their, their pretty much that's going to happen yeah. to them is that you know their skin color and some stereotype about it is going to come up. Yep, I so, noticed that too. Literally, that exact that exact same thought. I'm like, oh, there's a person of color. Like they're going to comment on that right away, and <laughs> they, they always did. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's something in reference to like the monkey. He's like, they're... yeah, yeah, it's some, it's something very, very cringe. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So anyway, cut back to Jody at the yeah, house. no, yeah, he compares him to an ape. Or, yeah, like, but then like... he's like, just like uh, me too. Yeah, he like tried yeah. to do it like unintentionally, yeah. but like yeah, it's it was... weird because it's directed by a black guy. You'd, you'd think like, yeah, that he there wouldn't be that not many be cool racist jokes. That, but, in yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Anyways. So we cut back to Jody at the house. Uh, she's playing the bass, and the lights start to flicker. She quickly realizes that her bass is hitting the light switch. That's kind of a funny gag. That could have been funny. I, dude, I hated that. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what is that? That's not even a joke. Like, I don't, I didn't. That's a, <laughs> you thought that was funny? Yeah, that's a. It could be a funny bit if it was better executed. Her bass is hitting the light. Yeah, because she's like, "Why are the lights flickering?" And then, oh, I'm hitting the. But light why switch. would she be doing that with her guitar or like with the bass? She's, I just didn't understand it. I thought it, it was. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a light switch. It was one of the push ones. It was, it's we- like a it was weird that you barely have to touch. Um, so that's happening, and she realizes it. So she stops, but the flickering continues. The lights go on and off, and we get a jump scare with the feral child appearing on the countertop. And then it go- does a couple different iterations of that, where then the feral feral child is playing the bass, and then the lights go out again, and then um, Jody is on the counter the third time super random whatever whatever (laughs) (laughs) so later jody is in bed with dan and she tells him that the children are creepy and she wants to get rid of them good mom (laughs) uh well she didn't want to be a mother that's why we got the pregnancy test scene that's true um she was there's a little wig there's a little exposition there's a little exposition into her um not wanting children so that for a writing standpoint it was weak but i can see what they were doing um so dirt nasty suggests that she do a ballet um because the oldest daughter is always carrying around this little creepy ballerina doll and it could be a way for her to bond with the child jody tells him that she won't do ballet because her mother had a terrible incident during swan lake when she was pregnant with her and we get a flashback to jody's mom who is extremely pregnant and performing Swan Lake in front of a crowd. She's the Swan Queen. And while she is being raised in the air, her water broke on the face of her ballet partner. Oh, yeah. this, is the, this is the first incident where I chuckled. 
Really? I did not get a laugh out of this, I but did what not. I did, I did get a, a a laugh that I don't think they intended from me because, I mean, in her time since ballet, they have a little bit of exposition where you know she's interacting with the girls, and it's while she is inexplicably sitting playing bass guitar in the kitchen. Just, I guess it's possible, but yeah, I know. I, I sure I thought it like was weird. Scene, I, like, yeah, I sure yeah, thought it was fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> It was super weird. So after her mother's water breaks, um, the child, which is her, falls out of her and then is kicked off the floor into a tuba. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, this part I laughed. I, I laughed at when the baby went in the tuba. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awful. Like, <laughs> oh, no. God. Uh, and after, after this flat, quick flashback, um, Jody agrees to start ballet. Doesn't he like blow the baby out of the tube too? Like, and send I it think flying. it just makes a funny noise. Yeah, the head like lodges in the yeah. you know. <laughs> so Jody agrees. Something about and, a baby in a tube, dude. And then the next scene, she goes to ballet practice, where we meet the director and former Swan Queen, played by Molly Shannon, of superstar fame. Um, superstar like the SNL skit. No, I was like, what? <laughs> superstar, you know? Oh you know, yeah. The, Oh, yeah, put your yeah. hands under your armpits and then sniff them. Um, so at this point, Jody also meets Kendra, who is the clear um, fill-in for for Brenda from the previous scary movies. It's like her buddy. Mm. It's very similar to Anna Faris and Regina Hall's characters. But um, guess what? She's the black friend. Well, yeah, that's Brenda in the previous scary movies. Okay, okay, sorry. I don't know the I don't know the characters' names. Maybe, I tried. maybe you should have watched all five, bud. Uh, I did watch <laughs> so so so. I mean, not to like backpedal here, but I did like I did really like the first one. Yeah, the first I, one's I great. I mean, I I find you know the Wayans brothers to be pretty funny dudes, you know, and Marlon Wayans, you know, he, like his stand up is pretty funny too. Um, great, you know, chill, chill, chill dudes. His recent stuff has actually been pretty uh, pretty interesting and wise as well. You know, if you haven't seen it, I recommend uh, checking it out. Or... But, yeah, Marlon Wayans has done some pretty dope stand up at like recently. Um like oh, I think right. it's on Netflix, but um but yeah, so like I really, really liked the first one. I mean, especially because I was expecting to fucking hate it. I mean I was telling you, man, was I not telling you? Yeah. You you said scary movie was shit and I said you haven't seen it. Yeah, and I was I mean, I think I was conflating it with what I knew about the other ones and what I also knew about what this production company would do when they stopped making scary movie, which was where they went into like epic movie. And well, that was to... that was during this. Okay. That that was that was, was that between, around the time of that 4 was and between 5 between the other scary movies. Okay. Yeah. Disaster movie and epic movie mm-hmm. and date um, movie. And so we're introduced to Kendra, who is going to become Jody's friend. Uh, Kendra is also trying to, trying out for the Swan Queen in the Swan Lake production. Um, and we kind of get a... The director asks someone to show what they got. And Kendra jumps up and does a pole dance, which goes on for a very long time. And the director really likes it. Another thing about scary movies that kind of has happened they're like pretty sexist and it's a lot of times it's like excuse for like scantily clad women and stuff like that like mm. they, even since the first one like yeah just like the, cheap fan service the, 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 the first two are good but they're definitely misogynistic and there's moments when it's like 
girls just get down into their lingerie randomly and that continues pretty much through the whole series and that's what this is essentially so she dances does a pole dance for a really long time is like twerking and stuff like that the director really likes it cut to the next night at the home where we see from the cameras uh so this house as they talked about when they picked up the children this house pretty much has a camera in every single room of the house there's like paranormal so, activity yes very much it, it's parodying paranormal activity so in between scenes they'll do a lot of these things where it will just kind of go through different rooms <clears> of the house and give us a little snapshot of what what's happening in each room in the amount of time that we spent watching this movie, we could have just watched Paranormal Activity again, and you could do that instead. It's a much better movie than this. <laughs> Paranormal Activity is dope. The first one's so good. So the next night, we see from the cameras in the house that everyone is sleeping. Uh, Jody wakes up because she hears a noise. In going downstairs, she finds that a pan has fallen on the floor. Uh, Dan, played by Dirt Nasty. I think I've been calling him Dirt Nasty. It might be hard to... His name is Dan. Uh, so he comes down to investigate as well and is hit in the head with the pan. And he essentially convinces her that it was nothing. It was just the pan that was falling. The next morning they wake up and the house has been vandalized. Every room of the house except for the children's rooms. Uh, the oldest daughter tells them that it was mama who did it. Um, some, this is some more instances of the kids getting hurt. While this is happening, the feral child eats a Mentos and then drinks Coke and then flies across the room. And then uh, Dan is playing with some exercise equipment and it flies out of his hand and lands on the face of the oldest daughter. Just random little cheap, Just super funny things. Comical like that. violence. Comical in quotations. Um, and as they are looking through the damage, the oldest daughter finds something on the ground. Uh, she's holding a dildo, and she asks what it is. Uh, Dan jumps up and goes, oh, oh, that's a toothbrush, and then starts to brush his teeth with the dildo. And then she goes, oh, what about this box? Is this a box of toothbrushes? And there's a whole box filled with dildos. And she, never seen so many dildos in a PG-13 movie. And Yeah, that's a good point. And she asks what they are, if they're all toothbrushes. Dan, the father, goes over and goes, oh, no, no. And he just, like, starts packing him up and trying to walk away. Yeah, uh, they just had, again, the same little girl just touch a bunch of vibrators and anal beads. Like, what the fuck is this? Well, the anal beads come in at the very end. That's that's the, the last joke. She goes, oh, then these must be floss. And fancy holds up floss. The, holds up the anal beads. They, they, got, they got an exhale out my nose. Yeah, yeah. I was kind just of funny. so bothered by the fact that they were having... I mean, I guess you're exposed, I mean, you're exposed to different stuff as a child actor. I get not, that. They're not like, used dildos. Well, I don't think that makes it not, like, possibly... I think it's a moral transgression, and I think, honestly, it might even be illegal to make a child, even a child actor, hold a sex toy. Like, that's so weird. That's just, like... I don't know, man. Maybe I'm a Puritan, but I think that's fucked up. So as they continue inspecting, there is graffiti, that Deathly Hollows symbol that we saw earlier from the drawing from Mama. Uh, it is on the wall, and Maria, the housekeeper, sees it and is horrified. A montage then begins um, with Dan setting the cameras back up because they 
I couldn't tell if they were adding more cameras or if the cameras were damaged in the vandalism. I think it's the latter, and the cameras were um, damaged in the vandalism. So he starts putting these cameras back up. And while he is doing this, he just keeps falling and getting injured and sent to the hospital in an ambulance. This happens like three times. Just a montage of him setting stuff up, falling, getting Head injuries, electrocution, you know, all the classics. Yeah, it's very dumb. And after that, and the montage is over, uh, Dan is at the hospital, and Jody goes to talk to the children. Uh, The oldest daughter tells her that Mama said she would have an accident at the ballet. Um, While this is happening, Jody hears groaning coming from what looks like a closet. The daughter warns her not to go in there, but Jody approaches and opens the door. When she opens the door, she finds that it is the housekeeper, Maria, and she is having a violent bowel movement. (laughs) I wrote, of course, it's the Mexican maid shitting and farting in a bathroom in there. (laughs) Uh, So after the door is open, Maria's bowel movement propels her off the toilet, essentially tackling Jody to the ground. And then well on the ground... It was like a rocket. She like flew. Yeah. And then well on the ground, they're both shot across the room when it happens again. Uh, and the scene ends. The narrator comes in to explain what happens next, but while he is talking, he cannot continue because the smell just reached him. The smell of the housekeeper's bowel movement. So stupid. So bad. Uh, So the next morning, Jody is again at the ballet practice. Wait, before the next morning, Maria goes to bed with a vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah, that's during the transition when we... uh see the different rooms one of the different little transitions where we see a little glimpse into each room so she's in bed with a vacuum cleaner cut to the next morning where we see jody at ballet practice Uh, she learns that she has been cast as the swan queen molly shannon the former swan queen of superstar fame uh, is upset and tries to win over the director with a quick dance she jumps in front of Jody, who is about to go to this position, and begins to dance in front of a brick wall. Right before she gets to the brick wall, we get a glimpse of Maria, or not Maria, Mama, going behind the wall. The brick wall then falls on Ma- Molly Shannon, crushing her. Uh, the director also says that Kendra is cast as Jody's understudy. Um, and then after practice, Jody brings an injured Dan home from the hospital. Uh, she then confronts the daughter and asks how she knew that there was would be an accident. She tells her that Mama told her and then runs away. Dan brings the feral kid outside to film for swimming. The, the feral child tells her that Mama taught her a trick and then begins to walk on water. Dan does not notice this because he's distracted by Maria, who is in a two-piece swimsuit. Uh, she's a larger woman, and they're just straight up making fun of her weight. It's bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's not really funny. Something. It's just it's just awful. This is where I was like, oh, this poor lady, like that had to do this, like yeah. just literally. She and she kind of crushed it. Like there's moments like she seems funny. Yeah, yeah. Like when they had her shaving her face, that was <laughs> yeah, that was a riot. So then we get um, a quick scene of Jody and the daughter brushing her teeth. 
uh, Jody can't find her toothbrush, and we see that Mama has taken it and used it as a dildo. <laughs> no, and she she puts it into a dog's butt. Um, and we're to assume that she puts it back, and then she brushes her teeth. The narrator actually makes a joke on it later, like, "Oh, and she couldn't get the taste out of her mouth." But uh, it is now nighttime, and we get more quick shots of each room. Like I was saying before, this is used to show weird things that are taking place in each room, typically involving Maria. She seems to be the the person that is usually doing something weird. Uh, we see her shaving her face and chugging mouthwash. And like Tim said earlier, we saw her sleeping with a vacuum cleaner. We see her standing in her room just like, you know, and that's, you know, that's like it probably supposed to like simulate like some of the weird supernormal, you know, paranormal yeah. happenings. Like she's just doing these like, you know, standing in the room and like that's pretty much the only thing they have her do that is not centered around the color of her skin. Yeah. And there's another, another bad one coming right now. And uh, so we we see Jody and Dan and it's the, the hogging of the bed, little montage there. Dan's trying to fight for a spot on the bed but jody keeps hogging it and then we get a quick little scene of maria standing in her bedroom hitting a pinata yeah yeah i had questions about that like what the fuck that is yeah like was there even candy inside i don't know <laughs> is she asleep uh, i don't know it doesn't matter it's pretty it's... inappropriate but anyway so they they have more issues with the pans making noise. Um, several pans fall on Dan's head as he goes to investigate. When this happens, he kind of falls back and puts his hand on the burner, which is on, and then is repeatedly hit by the microwave. Um, this is pretty much what makes them ultimately decide to call a psychic, which Maria has been suggesting since the day before, I think. Cut to the next morning. The, psych the psychic arrives, who is played by Cat Williams. Uh, he is inspecting the house. Uh, it's pretty clear up front that the psychic is a criminal, and he's kind of openly talking about casing the place and how he'll be back the next day with his brother to carry the monitors in the other room because he couldn't carry it at that point. Takes a couple small items and says it's got a spirit connection, you know, yeah. to the... And he's just openly talking about stealing things, and then there's a point when he needs their card for the psychic reading or something, and it shows him draining their account. Um, after he fakes his analysis of what is happening at the home, we see Mama walk by in the background. At this point, the psychic is actually attacked by Mama and is dragged across the room. This. Yeah, and I, f I found this very confusing because he somehow ends up laying over on the floor facing the wrong direction and is not being dragged. Like, he's the wrong direction for how he would have gotten thrown. And then he is then, yeah, slowly dragged off screen. This is also, though, where I had my first chuckle of the movie. Not from him being dragged, but from him saying, maybe you adopted a small African child promising to feed him for 25 cents a day, forgetting he needs some Something to drink mm. yeah I, I i assume that was improv by cat williams yeah i assume he wrote that line because it yeah. was funny i think he just said it on site yeah um so this after the psychic visit nothing comes of this and it is suddenly another night of paranormal activity jody hears something but can't figure out what it is 
uh, Dirt Nasty is like, oh, my penis. She's like, what is that? And he's like, my penis. And he's like behind her and spooning her. It's a joke they do like three times. And then we cut to the pool where we see the pool vacuum cleaner come out of the pool. It then walks towards the gate like and open, opens it. And it it shows him letting in all his vacuum friends coming over. <laughs> and they have a wild party. Um, at this point, we also get quick cuts of Maria who is dancing to the music in her room, doing like a crazy, like a crazy dance. Like this is a, like, she's clearly like, sh- she's funny. She's like dancing. Like she's twerking. I yeah. Think she's too. like dancing all over the place. It's, it, it's pretty like her dance would be funny if they're not just like trying to make fun of her. But so she's dancing and we see these vacuum cre- cleaners get a montage of them partying all night. We see vacuums DJing, they're drinking, they're smoking a hookah. We see them snorting what I think is pool cleaner. There's like a container next to it. I believe it's pool cleaner. Oh, I just thought it was regular cocaine. No, no, That's there, there a was a little bit more clever. There was a pool cleaner container. Um, so they're snorting that. And then we see the vacuum cleaner open the gate again. And they invited their lady friends over, which are just vacuums with like mannequin women's bodies on them. Yeah, like instead of like vacuum bags, I think. Yeah, instead yeah. of vacuum bags, it's like they like it's like a like a woman's figure. Um, And then we get a quick scene of Maria who is in bed with one of the vacuums, not just sleeping with it. Like we saw before, like they're hooking up. And then there's one sucking off the dog because whoever wrote this script is really, (laughs) really into dogs. Like, you know, either getting stuff shoved up their ass or, you know, getting sucked off. Yeah. And we also see one throw up at one point. It's a little montage. I hated this montage. <laughs> I liked it. that it I liked it. It looked that it was done with like stop motion, which I thought was like kind of cool, but it just it, it the style and effort that went into it was not, you know, it wasn't funny. It was just maybe clever. Yeah. This is this is my second least favorite montage that's supposed to be funny in this movie. Um the first being, I'm sure you guys will agree, but we'll get to it. Uh, so the next morning, we see the aftermath of the party. The yard is trashed and covered in Pap's blue ribbon cans with their labels facing the camera. Uh, Dan wakes up to the smell of smoke. He runs downstairs and finds out it is Maria who is continuing her different rituals. It appears that she is doing the smudging thing where she's got, like, you know, herbs or whatever the fuck it is and just, like, putting smoke all around the house. Like burning sage. Yeah, and, like yeah. sage and things like that. And waving like a Catholic censer, you know, like an incense burner, you know, on a chain. And Yeah. So ultimately, this is the final straw, and they decide to fire Maria. Dan takes her outside to let her go. That we then get a shot from the camera looking at the front yard, where it's kind of another stop-motion-y time-lapse thing, where it's just them fighting for like a minute. They're just like punching each other and... Then one point, Maria rides the lawnmower, and a hose flings her off the lawnmower, and Dirt Nasty celebrates, and then is run over by the lawnmower. And, like, somehow it's, like, picking up all these, like, slapstick sound effects, like, all this foley art, even though these kind of cameras would definitely not have microphones on them, like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That's true. Um, So later... um, We cut to the meeting to showcase Dan's ape, Caesar... Caesar's intelligence 
if we hadn't already forgotten about it. Yeah, and, and by <laughs> the way, John. I wrote down, I forgot about this arc. <laughs> so it's like a meeting. Back meet at it, the lab. It's a meeting back at the lab. Um, and Terry Crews is showing the board members the different uh, apes around. Um, and he is the one and only one that is actually intelligent and didn't exhibit deviant sexual behavior. <laughs> close the door <laughs> um, so he is the one and only that is that has become intelligent and has not exhibited deviant sexual behavior which all the other apes have developed terry cruz says uh at this point dan arrives and he's all beaten up from the fight that just took place and he is introduced to the board members once he is introduced maria barges into the room and continues with their fight. She knocks Dan to the button on the wall that opens all of the cages, and all of the test apes who have deviant sexual behavior are released, including Caesar, who does not. And this is why I thought it was 28 days later, but that's also because I'm not super familiar with Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. We then, we then cut to a news report about the apes escaping. They play a 911 call, which is from the we find out is from the anchor's wife, and she tells the operator about the apes on the loose, and also says that she was cheating on her husband, but it's all right because he's an anchor on the news, and he's actually cheating on her with the co-host. I thought this was a clever idea and could have been executed better, but it's it's a funny idea to have like, you know, a nine one one call on the air be about the anchor, like like that could be done well, but it yeah, I mean it, in this fucking shit hot dog of a movie it uh just it's hard to like it when it's just one brief moment (laughs) is there a reason that you you chose to say shit hot dog well yeah the plot thickens um (laughs) much like my shit (laughs) okay uh at the next at the next uh ballet practice jody and kendra eat lunch together Jody only eats a single Cheerio, but later throws it up in the bathroom. When she comes out of the stall, there are insults written on the mirror in lipstick. It says, like, whore, slut, bitch. And then Cunt. It actually doesn't. Because that's the part where I was wondering about the rating, because it doesn't say that, but it shows Molly Shannon's character who wrote these things, the former Swan Queen. She's writing a C-U-N, and then is interrupted. I was surprised that it got through the censors. Um, so it's the Swan Queen, and she is... She was going to write cunning. And she is... Um, she's fucked up from that brick wall falling on her. So she's like in a bunch of different casts. She's got different crutches. And she's there, kind of just yelling at Jody. And then she goes to... She stumbles over to the stall... And this is one of the few like long moments that kind of works a little bit. This got me to exhale out of my nose. She stumbles <laughs> over to the stall and is just like trying to open it with her crutches and just is having a hard time. It's, it's pretty funny. Molly Shannon's a funny actress, so I feel like she sells this. Then we're at home later and Jody asks the girl about the girls about Mama. They say Mama doesn't want her talking about her. And that she, like, Mama doesn't want her ta- the children talking about Mama. And that she appears in their dreams. 
Jody decides to incept the dreams, calling over a man that looks like Leonardo DiCaprio to do the dream extraction, a la Inception. And so this Leonardo lookalike, <laughs> I, I got a laugh out of this just because, you know, it's another knockoff. Like, you know, they couldn't afford to get a cameo from Leonardo DiCaprio uh, for the movie. So they just, and maybe part of the humor is that it's a lookalike. Yeah, but... I, think that, I think that's part of okay. it. Okay, okay. I just like to he, think he's, that they He's a pretty good lookalike. He, he looks like, he looks like him. <laughs> yeah, he, he, looks, he looks just like him. Um, and... He's... You switch this chair on me with the with the nail. You sick, <laughs> you sick fuck. You got the nail chair. Oh, I did. I give you the nail chair. Yeah, one of one of the chairs has a. We're not gonna keep this in. You don't have to elaborate. <laughs> um, so Leonardo DiCaprio lookalike gets there, and they attempt to enter a couple different dreams. First, they go to a cafe, which I think is a lot like one of the first dreams in Inception. And yeah, then, it was a decent scene recreation. Wait, I have a uh, totally unrelated question. What is epic movie spoof? Like, what is that? What is the spoof there? Is that like, is it like, like, what? Like, you, you know, scary movies, scary. I think it's like action movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably action movies. Yeah, I was going to say 300, but they did a whole thing for that called Meet the Spartans. And mm. It was supposed to be terrible. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're at this cafe, and Jody is. He warns her about the thoughts you have because it kind of creates things. And she's thinking, and then she looks down, and she's given herself rather large breasts. And then she looks over to Leonardo DiCaprio, and the same thing has happened to him. <laughs> Which, you know, in a perfect world, that might be funny, but I didn't laugh. I'm laughing now, but. Eh. So then, so then they cut out of the dream. They pull back, and then it shows Leonardo DiCaprio like massaging his chest area. And then he's like, "Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, let's go to the next dream." <laughs> and they try again, and Jody is placed into this mansion um, with this man, and it's a clear um, parody of Fifty Shades of Grey. And he oh. and he attempts to give her. Like a champagne flute with like little things that are like tweaking her nipples and all these different comical sexual devices. He asks her to sit on a chair with like a like a rod coming up in the seat. And uh, then, <laughs> like I made you do by giving you the chair with the nail. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so they. Uh, so she's in the dream, and weirdly, Mike Tyson comes out of the, the other room. That was the then, real Mike Tyson. Yeah, the real Mike Tyson, and like throws this man across. He lands in his bed, and then is like falls into this trap where he's like chained up on like he's like hanging from his bed in chains. Uh, they come out of this dream, and the Leonardo DiCaprio look like is like, oh, I don't know what that's about. And then you it it cuts to Jody and she's sitting there and you can see the 50 shades of gray book coming out of her purse. And she's like, yeah, I have no idea. And like pushes it into her purse. Uh, we get a couple more little dream scenarios parodying inception. Um, but it is later revealed that the solution to their problems lies in the mysterious book of the dead. Uh, they see a woman who is, who we later find out to be mama. This is mama before she becomes whatever she is now before she becomes mama <laughs> and we we see her reading this book in the basement of a cabin in the woods 
When she reads the spell, the camera acts like Evil Dead. This is probably my favorite aspect of this movie. Because I think what works with the first two scary movies is they actually parody like old classic horror movies. And in this one, they do the camera work of like the thing coming through the woods towards the cabin a lot like the movie Evil Dead. And I, I like that they pulled from an old so they, an old <clears throat> horror movie. Um, they're actually paired par- for most of it when they're when the parodying <laughs> it's a weird word parodying um, Evil Dead. They're 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 actually parodying the uh, the new one. And well, the original has the same camera work. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I wasn't talking about that specifically. I was talking about like um like when she like like uh licks the blade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. from the new we'll, one. We'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, this movie came out a week before that one too, which is super weird. They like pre they they got to see it before everyone else. Um. So yeah, the camera acts like Evil Dead, and this uh, this evil figure or whatever the camera represents starts racing towards the cam uh, towards the cabin, where it attacks the woman in the basement that becomes Mama. Uh, after this dream, the older daughter reveals that Mama died at that moment and she wants to take the children home to the cliff uh we also get a quick cut to a dream when the dog sits on the uh inception device and we get a little quick scene where this dog is in a room full of poodles and he is humping a poodle oh boy i don't even remember that one (laughs) lol (laughs) uh so big laugh there uh so jody has determined (laughs) That they need to find this cabin and tells her friend Kendra over Skype, a Skype conversation about what happened and where the cabin is. Um, during this conversation, there is a figure in the background coming at Jody, and this all takes place through like a Skype type thing. Like Kendra can see, and Jody's there, and you can see something in the background. Um, Jody is attacked and turns around and punches this figure, and it turns out to be Caesar the ape, which Dan brought home with him. Uh, they tend to the wounds of Caesar, and then Kendra comes over to the house. Caesar answers the door, and Kendra beats up Caesar again. What a stab in the back. And she's, she says something like, anytime I see an ape, I fight them or something? Yeah, like anytime I see like see a chimp, I'm fighting or something. Yeah. Um, so now, now they have a... <laughs> now they have this plan to find the cabin in the woods... Uh, Dan calls a babysitter to watch the kids. It turns out that he ordered from an escort service, but is confused because he also orders Santas from this. So a babysitter shows up who's talking about like a threesome and then like, oh, a foursome with this monkey. That'll cost more. And while this is happening, a horny Santa appears and then leaves with the babysitter. With assless pants to match. Yep. Uh, assless santa pants <laughs> so uh so the babysitter's out and dan now needs to stay and watch the children while jody and kendra go to this cabin um we get some more quick clips of what is happening in each room the monkey is taking dick pics and there's one where it looks like he's jerking off but he's actually opening a banana under the sheets uh and this is one where i actually got a chuckle we see the feral girl waterboarding her doll I thought that was kind of funny. I missed that. I'll have to go back and deep dive on that. Yeah. Um, so they think they're going to the cabin, but Kendra actually takes Jody to a nightclub 
uh, and she convinces Jody to take some pills, and they have a crazy night of partying. This is a parallel to Black Swan. Um, and Jody starts to hallucinate, and then later starts to hook up with Kendra back at her house. Um, Kendra goes down on Jody, and there is this montage of various people going down and coming up from Jody's dress. Uh, it's shot to look like Jody's point of view. So she sees Kendra go down, and then she comes up, and it's herself. And then she goes down, and then it comes up both Kendra and Jody. And then they go down, and then the Dos Equis guy, or like someone that yeah, looks like him, comes up. The most interesting up, man in the world. The most interesting man. Then he goes down. Then we get the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, impersonator again playing Leo from Tit- like Leo's character from Titanic, saying, I'm the king of the world. And then he goes down. And then Ted the Bear comes up from uh, Seth MacFarlane's movie, Ted. And then he goes down. And then Tiger Woods comes up. And he- Tiger Woods is eventually run off by his wife arriving. And he has to run away because his wife is chasing him. I didn't get a good look. Was that actually Tiger or was that a lookalike? <laughs> no, that was a lookalike. Okay, okay. And I think this is at the height of Tiger Woods. Uh, scandal. His scandal mm-hmm. and his sex addict stuff. Um, so this this montage is followed by a montage of visual innuendos. We see a cat licking a sucker. Two scissors slicing at each other. Two tacos being banged together. Two hot dog buns being banged, banged together. Uh, a woman eating a piece of carpet. Yeah, at that point, I wrote down, I feel like this guy, whoever wrote this script, just doesn't like giving his girl head. <laughs> Could be. Uh, we also see a tongue through a mail slot. And then two train tunnels crash, crashing into each other. This is kind of actually a clever one because there's the, it's like a Hitchcock thing. It's like, I think, oh, what movie is it? Where they use a train going into 30, a... Is it 39 Steps? It's one of the early Hitchcock movies where, yeah, a train goes into a tunnel to, like, indicate sex. Mm. The, and that's presumably before it's okay to indicate sex in film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think this is what I was talking about earlier. I think this is, like, the low point of the movie. I think this is the worst montage. I was just groaning the whole time. This was, like so unfunny to me it was bad mm-hmm. it was really bad and you know kind of you know i guess dare i say homophobic i mean <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> especially that woman eating the carpet it's like a i don't know the the woman they picked it just yeah they picked like they picked the like a butch looking woman yeah it was yeah yeah so Jody wakes up from all of this and, it, and realizes she is late to her ballet practice. Uh, she arrives and she sees Kendra kissing the director. She is upset because of their intimate night the previous night, but Kendra tells her she doesn't know what she's talking about. Jody returns home and reviews the footage from last night. Uh, because again, their camera's all over their house. Yeah, and she and she's looking at this footage of herself humping a potted plant and says, Oh, well, that explains the poison ivy. That got a chuckle out of me. <laughs> Who keeps poison ivy in their house? That's just funny, though. That explains the poison ivy. That's like a funny throwaway line. 
But poison ivy isn't a symptom. Yeah, a rash but... is a symptom. Like, I would say that explains the rash. Like, honestly, that would have gotten a laugh out of me. But, but, but poison ivy... Nothing's on... funnier than rashes on a woman. Poison ivy <laughs> Poison ivy on your private parts is funny. Your private parts. Private parts. We've I've, been I've talking had... about all this horrible I've, stuff, I've, and I've then had... you just call them private parts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had poison ivy on, like, my dick, balls, and butt once. Really? And it was awful. How? Uh, I was at our, our friend Jason's cabin, and then I had to tell his mom, who went <laughs> to the... No, but how, though? To isn't the Walgreens. She, isn't she I think a nurse, too? I, no, she's not a nurse, uh, but she went to the Walgreens to get me poison ivy stuff, but super embarrassing. I think I just had it on, on me and then like went to the bathroom. Like It was on went my left. the leg. bathroom, jerked off, and then wiped your ass. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was... Using it, your hand. <laughs> It was all over my. It was all yeah. over my legs and then my arms and like the leg part went up to, to my rear end and then my hands. I went. I went to the. I went to the bathroom and got it on there. It was literally all over me. Oh, it was. Dude. It was. On, it was on my face too. It was. It was yeah. awful. It was I've never gotten awful. poison ivy. I think I might be one of those people. Oh, that, that are immune to it. Yeah. Yeah. Most people are not immune to that. To that reaction. It's a. It's a blistering so, agent. Fun fact. Um, black lacquer, like that's like traditionally used in lacquer, like, like traditionally used in uh, like Chinese art and stuff, is actually made from dried poison ivy sap. Interesting. It's like the cho- it's like the choice thing to use, and it becomes not itchy by letting it dry out, and you know the, the you know the urushiol, the chemical that is the blistering agent, stabilizes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe. My experience with poison ivy on my bathroom parts is why I found that funny. My bathroom parts. But, um, so then Kendra arrives and tells her that she was lying and that they did actually hook up. Um, the, the potted plant thing must have happened after she left. They continue to watch the tape where they see Jody hook up with a microwave, a chair, and then we see a chair fuck a microwave. You guys, yeah, she also she also yeah. loved lamp. Oh yeah, she did love lamp as well. Um, at the very end of this, we get a jump scare with Mama appearing in the frame. Yeah, that jump scare looked just like. Do you remember that video that was on YouTube where it's just like you watch boring traffic and like then all of a sudden somebody comes up and they're like, Wah! oh yeah, like yeah. it looked exactly. It looked like they literally bought the rights yeah, to it's, that girl. It's it's like it's like followed the lines on the road. Or something. Yeah, where like yeah. it forces you to get super close, and then yeah. yeah. So at this point, they find the location of the cabin, and visit that location to find this book they're looking for. When they arrive, they meet a group of proper young teens who appear to be like Bible thumpers, uh, just you know, proper young teens. Yeah, they're singing songs. They're yep, they're singing praising songs, the Lord, reading the Bible. I believe they're nursing a um, the wing of a uh, injured bird. Um, Jody and Kendra then go into the basement to find the book. When they open the book, they find the page with the spell. Yeah, it did not take them long to find the book. It was just like there. Yeah, it was in the basement, and they find this book, and they turn to the page with the spell that Mama read that we saw in the Inception flashback or dream or whatever, and they um, they read the spell. At this point, the evil spirit uh, that is like Evil Dead races to the house, 
and upstairs the religious teens turn violent and start hurting each other and they just are just like cutting off the chant yeah the chanting is like it's demonifying them yeah they get they get super demonic and uh jody and kendra then turn to the next page and read the word that cancels the spell and these teens turn back to normal but they're like horribly injured and they're like what happened oh my god have you seen my arm and they like pass each other like their limbs and stuff and this goes on a couple different times because jody and kendra read the spell again and then they get all demonic upstairs and just are cutting each other up and this this goes on one too many times but yeah it, and in the it last is, time it is, it is kind of funny it's a funny premise i would note though that they managed to squeeze one black joke out of the black guy who oh, was yeah. the member of the Bible study group. Yeah, have you have have you seen? No, it's the it's the white girl goes. Yeah. Have you seen my leg? And she hands he he hands one. And she goes, oh, that's black. Yeah, that's not mine. That's black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course they had to do that. Yeah, there was a black man. So black man, dear her, you know we must make a joke about him. Yeah. So Jody and Kendra fail to see what the book is capable of. They're oblivious. And continuously read the spell, and I keep wanting to call it the antidote, but whatever the the word to cancel out the spell. Um, so they're becoming the teens upstairs are becoming possessed and reviving back and forth. Um, the words are Gort, Kalatu, Barada, Nikito. <laughs> Sorry, you turned me there for a second. I'm back. <laughs> I, I didn't write down the antidote word. Oh, I should oh. have not said that. We'll, we'll edit that out. But uh, <laughs> So uh, this happens a couple of times, but it's just run into the ground. It's probably one of the funnier parts of the movie, honestly. Like, just the premise of this idea. And then Jody and Kendra leave the cabin with the book. We then return home, and Jody doesn't know exactly what to do with the book. Caesar the monkey is rather smart, and he figures it out. And when he realizes it, he goes to grab the baby. But when he grabs Which the... I completely forgot that there was a baby, because they've been so focused on, you know, the pig pen girl and the, you know, the, the dildo yeah, girl. Yeah, the baby takes a back seat <laughs> in, the, in the car seat. Yeah, you're not supposed to put the baby in the back seat. That's very dangerous. And uh, so Caesar approaches the baby, and while he does this, Mama, I think, realizes that Caesar knows what's up. So she tries to protect, like, tries to take the baby from Caesar, and he kind of, like, fights with Mama to get this baby. And at this point, Jody and Dan walk in and are like, what are you doing? And they kick the monkey out, and he can't explain himself because he doesn't talk yet, but... Um, so he gets taken off in like a paddy wagon type car. Um, and then Jody and Dan review the tape and we see it in the background. They're talking and it's clear on the tape that mama is there and Caesar was doing the right thing and mama was fucking with the baby, but they're just having a conversation and looking away. So they're missing every time mama's on screen and they're like, I can't believe we brought an animal in the house. Um, it's at this point, um, that Jody finds the map in the book and pieces together 
that Mama wants to bring the children to the cliff to throw them off. She also has this moment where she goes, oh, maybe I do like the children. And then they have this little this little montage with, I think it's like Louis Armstrong playing. Yeah. And yeah. It, that, that part was kind of funny. What did I do? Yeah. And it's just like these little clips of like the children. Like even a mouse. They should like the montage of the, from my house. of the children being hurt. Like, okay, whatever. But like the, her thinking back and having that play was kind of funny. Um, yeah, but like like in the car, the chimps are like they switch from using like cheap chimp costumes to like they CGI them so that they can have the chimps like speak to each other. And even when they do that, the mouths still don't line up with the dialogue. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, what you're referencing is once Caesar gets picked up, the driver takes off a mask and is actually a monkey, and Caesar realizes he talks. I don't know. It's whatever <laughs> yeah it's like it's like they, they could afford to cgi the chimps in that scene but they couldn't afford to have the mouths line up with the dialogue it looks like a like a dub of like anime or something like yeah. so then so then mama appears in the home and she takes the children to the cliff to sacrifice them uh dan is knocked out in the struggle when he wakes up he doesn't know where the children are but maru but Maria is there with a pie made out of shit to give to him. He refuses. She then attempts to give him other food that are actually shit. Uh, she gives him a fully dressed hot dog with mustard on it. It's like a turd in a hot dog bun. And then a banana she unpeels is shit. And I just want to say the idea of poop in a hot dog bun fully dressed is hilarious <laughs> that it's actually super funny i'm ashamed to say <laughs> that i really wanted a hot dog after that scene <laughs> not a uh, shit hot dog i wanted a good like a regular hot dog i think that concept i really <laughs> wanted to shit after i saw that scene <laughs> the idea of giving it to somebody that you hate is like great just like handing them this like bun and then like yeah. you get them to take it and then well, well, it's just, in their hands just now. the idea of a turd in a bun being like decadently dressed with like with like relish and mustard and you know sauerkraut that's funny i find that i find that humorous but uh so they arrive at the cliff, and we see Mama with the children. Hold on, rewind really quick. After she whips out the banana of shit, she then grabs and kisses him and says she is reminded of her father. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> I just had to touch on that, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's all right. Um, so then they arrive at the cliff, and we see Mama with the children. Jody and Mama attempt to win over the feral daughter. By offering her bones and meat it's like a back and forth she's like a she's like you know when you have a dog and it's like the new owner the old owner they're trying to win the affection and have the the animal come to them to prove that it loves them more jody ultimately wins over the feral child when she says that she loves her uh well at the cliff jody fails to lift the curse with the book because she can't remember the word that cancels out the spell Neither could I. I didn't write it down. Uh, so she, so Judy attempts to just hit Mama off the cliff using the book, but Mama grabs her by the throat. The feral child then jumps to the rescue and bites the face of Mama, knocking her off the cliff. Uh, Mama falls and lands in a hot tub on a cruise ship. This is the ship that Snoop and Mac Miller were talking about buying with the reward money. 
Mama tries to jump out of this hot tub, but is quickly attacked by a shark. Snoop then turns to Mac Miller and says, I told you that shark would come in handy. This is a this is a clever callback, but this movie is a, a piece of shit, so it does, it gets lost. It, yeah, it gets lost within the. Um, so realizing her love for the adopted children is all she needs in life, Jody gives the part of Swan Queen to Kendra, who performs the dance in the style of a stripper. The performance is heavily applauded by an audience that includes Jody, Dan, the children, and Medea. Oh, yeah, Medea was there. Okay. Uh, the story's narrator is revealed to be Caesar, who um, then informs the audience that the humans should enjoy as much time as they have on Earth and says that the apes will one day take over the world. Cut to the credits with various bloopers mixed in. The bloopers were kind of funny. Yeah, so so <laughs> the narrator was Caesar the whole time, and I but feel his I voice feel, was I, different. Yeah, I feel like I was supposed to care about that reveal, and I definitely didn't. But his ending lines could not be more accurate to the the spirit of the film itself. He says, and I quote. If anything is to be learned from this, it's that mankind is a pathetic race and apes need to take over this planet. <laughs> Enjoy Earth while you still got it. That pretty much sums up how I feel about this movie. <laughs> um, so then when we're in the credits, there is one... It it cuts back to that scene when Dirt Nasty is spooning Jody, and he keeps going, oh, my penis, like that part. And... Uh, Ashley Tisdale can't keep it together, and she goes, oh, it's too many penises, and someone off screen goes, welcome to Hollywood. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> that that did not sit well. With, I feel like that, if anything, Harvey Weinstein wanted it, and he thought that was the funniest joke in the movie. Like, that is... Oh, God, what if it's him who says it? Oh, Jesus, that would be awful. <laughs> Um, so after that, I don't know if you guys made Welcome it Welcome to Harvey Wood. I don't know if you guys made it through, but there is a post-credit scene. Uh, Charlie Sheen wakes up with Leo the Inception, the Leo uh, look-alike Inception guy, sitting beside him. Uh, and they ju- he just woke up from a dream, ex- a dream extraction, which the dream was the, the whole movie. Uh, af- <laughs> after... <laughs> After this, Eat Leo, a dick, dude. After this Leo informs that Charlie will be sleeping with Lindsay Lohan. At this point, a car crashes into the room, killing Charlie Sheen. Uh, it is revealed that Lindsay is the driver, and she gets out of the car and says to the Leo impersonator, you were driving, and throws him the keys and blames the accident on him. And it's over. Thank God. Ugh. That movie was so, a shit hot dog. Let's let's go into our ratings of how many shit hot dogs this movie is. Shit hot dog is a good thing. Though. Yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah. Shit hot dog is a good thing. I'll start because I have a lot to say because I watched all these scary movies and I'm gonna go through each scary movie. A very brief uh, feelings about each. So scary movie one is parodying Scream. I know what you did last summer. The Usual Suspects as well as others, but I'm just gonna touch on the most prominent ones. Uh, I think that that one is a solid movie. Watching it, half of the jokes have not aged well. They're kind of homophobic and making fun of disabled people. (laughs) But uh, it's still pretty clever and enjoyable. 
Scary Movie 2, which is based on The Exorcist and The Cold Open. There's a really funny scene in this when the girl walks downstairs to like a dinner party and just like pisses herself on the floor. Like she just like pees on the floor. If you've seen The Exorcist, that happens in The Exorcist. And the mom in Scary Movie 2 walks up and it's like, it's okay, it's okay. And then it cuts to her smearing the child's face in it and like hitting her with a newspaper. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good laugh. But uh, so it also is based on The Haunting and Pet Cemetery as well as many others. Um, this is another pretty good movie. I feel like, uh, and it's the last of the Wayans brothers in the franchise. It also contains jokes that didn't age well, being homophobic and make fun of disabled people. Uh, I felt that it was kind of rushed to cash in on the success of the first one. It only came out less than a year later. Uh, with more time, I think this could have been a more polished film and would have been better. Scary Movie 3, which is my second favorite of the franchise. Uh, it is par parodying The Ring, Signs, 8 Mile, and The Matrix. This is the first David Zucker directed, in this, directed film in the series. Uh, he's of Airplane and the Naked Gun fame, uh, which explains why Leslie Nielsen's involvement in the film. This film was also good. Uh, the mixing of the movies was done really well. Like the plots of Signs, The Ring, and 8 Mile are all just like seamlessly woven. It's really good. Uh, this is also the first one with a PG-13 rating, but it doesn't really seem like it. Like there's no dip in quality. Scary Movie 4 is parodying Saw, War of the Worlds, The Grudge, The Village. Um, this is when things start to come off the rails. Anna Ferris and Regina Hall aren't necessarily the focus of this film, which they have been the whole franchise. This feels like a this film feels like a marketing team, uh, a marketing team approach to it where they were trying to boil down what's funny about it. Uh, they're more focused on excessive comic violence. Jokes that are intentionally too long is the punchline, and they lean into pop culture, heavy topical humor. Uh, they also recast Chris Elliott as another character when he is already in the second movie. He's like the little hand guy, but they recast him in this. It's oh, kind weird. of a weird choice. Yeah. I don't know why they, you know, I don't know. It seemed wrong. But uh, it was also too similar to Scary Movie 3. Like, I feel like signs in War of the Worlds are too close, and then the ring and the grudge are too close. And no one cared about that, but now we're at Scary Movie 5, which is what we're talking about. They're parroting Paranormal Activity, The Evil Dead, Mama, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Black Swan, and Inception. Um, I felt like that's just too many movies to reference. Like, pick your three, make it. Well, an Inception isn't really a scary movie. Well, Eight Mile isn't either, and I think okay, the popularity okay. with Scary Movie Three they 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 introduced a movie that wasn't scary as a plot point. I think that can be done, but when you like try to put like six movies into the main plot, it just loses it. And I feel like they leaned too heavily on the negative qualities of Scary Movie Four, like the marketing, meeting decisions are very apparent. Uh, this movie sucked. Even though it had jokes that had potential, they were underutilized or just ran into the ground. Uh, another problem I had with it, they tried to replace both Anna Faris and Regina Hall with the two characters that look very similar and play pretty much the same role. Ultimately, I think if I were to rate the Scary Movie franchise out of five, I would give it three out of five. But as far as rating Scary Movie five, I give it one poop hot dog out of five 
Huh. One. Okay. Okay. And we'll go to Nathaniel. Yeah, I'm also going to give this a, a, a one poop sandwich rating as well. Um, a hot dog is a sandwich to anyone, you know. We're, we're, we'll enter that debate. I, yeah. di- I disagree. Um, you said it. More to come. More to come. But anyway. No, I mean, I disagree that a hot dog is a sandwich. I'm fucking done, dude. I'm fucking done. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you pretty much covered all the bases i mean it's not a funny movie there's like like you said there were a couple jokes that i i laughed at um but they were just slapstick moments like it wasn't anything like clever or anything it was just a baby fell into a tuba and i'd never seen that before i thought it was brilliant (laughs) um but yeah i mean i i liked the uh i liked mac miller and snoop dogg in this movie um other than that it was uh, a little it was refreshing yeah yeah other than it that was, it was good to, it was good to see my you know my my boy r.i.p um mm-hmm. yeah other than that um i like didn't even follow the story this is definitely not a movie that you need to pay like attention to at all like you can maybe have it on in like the background or something and like the the story doesn't matter so yeah i don't know i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna give it a one um just uh, not really worth anyone's time, I, I, I don't think so. But if you don't pay attention, you'll miss the one callback. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That is true. There's that. And even if you do watch it, you probably won't even notice the callback because it's so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yep, yep. So. All right. And uh, Tim, Tam. All right. I'm going to give it... I can't even give it one, dude. I'm going to give it a bite out of a shit hot dog. Are um, you the one biting it? I, I I hope that Harvey Weinstein is the one biting it because he funded this abomination of a movie. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what else I can say. This movie is um, like really racist. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, it's it's just it's not it's not funny enough to make up for you know how cheap the jokes are, the sexualization of this little girl repeatedly just bothers me so so much i mean and you know i mean when you throw in the fact that it's a weinstein movie i mean of course that makes it worse but it's just what, it's just so what are you talking about the dildo thing <laughs> yeah like the dildo thing and like they had her like holding like the drawing of the dick and like they shoved something up well they didn't actually but like they alluded to like shoving like a, what was it a pencil up her oh, ass like yeah, yeah like yeah. it's just like it's like that stuff together it's like there's a pattern here and it wasn't a pattern that i enjoyed um it gets a bite out of a shit hot dog and harvey's the one eating it well i yeah yeah, yeah. and to be clear with my one out of five there's only one shit hot dog left because harvey weinstein ate the other four <laughs> yeah hungry boy all right, uh, so that's our conclusion of Scary Movie 5, but don't go anywhere. We actually have a yeah, no, bonus. Actually, before we get to that, can you separate the art from the artist, oh, knowing that he yeah. is not really... He's not, re- he's not really the artist. I mean, he's just a money man. He's a, he's a producer. I can start on this. I... Ooh, this is tough. I, I don't know if I can. He's... Though he's the producer, um, so he, like, I don't know. Movies that he has produced, I do think that you can separate the art from the artist. 
for example, Frida, like you can appreciate that movie. Selma Hayek put a lot into that movie. People put a lot of work into movies that he is involved in, but like, yeah, they, they are not to blame for his crimes. Yeah. They're not to blame for his crimes. And like, it's not it's super like clear that he, you know, has any, like an influence on it, but I don't think this movie would have got made if he isn't green lighting it because he's just trying to cash in and he just presents this shit movie just as like a cash buy-in. So no, I don't think we should buy tickets for this movie because it's money for Harvey Weinstein. So for this particular movie, I cannot, but I think with Quentin Tarantino movies and Frida and other movies he's involved in, I think I can, but something like this that's just just shit and I don't think it would be made without the money of Harvey Weinstein uh, I don't think so Nathaniel? Um, yeah I mean yeah you definitely have some good points I personally can separate it just because he's not the artist <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's that's very fair you know this is kind of a unique situation here where he is not directly involved um you know beyond you know behind the scenes logistics stuff right and it's not even clear what he actually ever really did as a producer yeah, like i mean i mean i imagine and... i imagine he just told people what to do and then they did all the work right mm-hmm. yeah um, that's what you think um, it's not like he has a vision um well so yeah so you can i can yeah. yeah you can separate it okay um so i would have been fine separating it but i don't know man like the stuff in this the lurid stuff in this movie makes me think that this was like right up his right up his alley like he watched this and he was like oh fuck yeah this is gonna be this is gonna kill like uh you know and I can't. I know. I know he didn't really have anything to do with it, but you know the scriptwriter is is guilty here too. Um, it's it it's it's ugh. no way. I'm done. <laughs> All right. So that leads into a little bonus we have planned. Um, we all previously were fans of one of the funnier stand-up comedians, uh, Louis C.K., um, who in 2018 had a big scandal about him uh, jerking off uh, in front of unwilling participants. It was 2017. Oh, yes. Okay. 2017. Late 2017, because he referenced in a special yes. about 2018. But um, So, yeah. So, we were all big fans of his, and then this whole thing came out. And he recently, this year came out with a new special entitled Sincerely. So, you know, this movie, Scary Movie 5, was a comedy, and it's not funny. We kind of knew that going in. So we decided to add real comedy to it and discuss Louis C.K. and if we're able to watch his new special and kind of separate him from it. 
Yeah, and because this is not a super easily accessible special, we're gonna you know try to you know avoid just like ruining all his good jokes and like spoilers and stuff. Yeah, but like will... so you have to like if you want to watch this yourself, you need to actually give him some money. Uh, Netflix and Netflix dropped him as like a person that they were gonna keep doing specials with after you know he was exposed as you know liking to jerk off in front of women who you know weren't really given a fair say in this situation (laughs) and full disclosure i did spend the eight dollars to get this special but we uh we we split it between the three of us so it was only 266 a person so maybe that makes it a little better but uh yeah i don't know let's uh let's get into it it's he is a very funny stand-up comedian, and I found that his opener was really funny. He referenced it. Uh, th- this was in the trailer for it, so it's not really spoiling anything, but one of his opening lines is, So, uh, how was your 2018 and 2019? Clearly referencing the scandal. Big laugh. It was pretty funny. Good way to start it. Yeah, this was in uh, D.C., which uh, is apparently where, where he was born, actually. So he was back, you know, might you might say in his home digs, you know, his, tur- his original first turf. I noticed that um, the people chanting his name as he was coming out on stage appeared to be distinctly male, and I was worried. Um, but then I did hear some women also whistling and whooping, so it wasn't like it was just a, you know, a dude fest of people who decided that they're okay with what he did. Um, <laughs> he looked uh, a little balder, a little older, a little grayer. Yeah, and he said he's 52. And hard to say if fatter or skinnier. Couldn't figure that out. It's that black justice sweaty. It's that black T-shirt. It's slimming, but it still somehow shows the copious amounts of sweat. Mm-hmm. That's a common theme with all his specials. Um, so I will say that uh, this isn't his best special, in my opinion. Um, but it's, I find it funny, and I think it's still hard. It's hard to deny that he is not one of the funniest comics of our time. He had a he had a reign in the 2010s that he came out with a new special every year and it, they were all fucking pretty good. Like he is a natural stand-up comedian. He's effortlessly funny. I'm sure it it obviously takes effort, but it seems effortless when you watch him. Like he he's good at what he does, and it is fucked up his uh, pressuring people under him to watch him jerk off. That's kind of inexcusable yeah i would note though that he was like really the only person out of uh any of these monsters that we've discussed who actually owned up to what he did and actually apologized for it and had actually apologized for it before he got caught you know out publicly for it at least to some of the people yeah i I don't i don't think yeah i don't think it mit you know it doesn't like mitigate the situation but i think it's important to note that he expressed actual remorse instead of getting a bunch of lawyers to try to like silence his critics and you know all that weird shit yeah he kind of owned it um in fact i have the full text of his uh of his confession it's not super long um can i so, okay, so the New York Times broke a story on, I think, November 9th, maybe November 10th. Um, he issued 
a a subsequent uh, you know not a rebuttal but a reply. I want to address the stories told to the New York Times by five women named Abby, Rebecca, Dana, Julia, who felt able to name themselves, and one who did not. These stories are true. At the time, I said to myself that what I did was okay because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. But what I learned later in life, too late, is that when you have the power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. I was a little bit bothered, as an aside, by the fact that he used the word predicament after the word dick. I felt like it was an unintentional comedic pun, but <laughs> I, I can't I can't read his mind. Anyway, the power I had over these women is that they admired me, and I wielded that power irresponsibly. I have been remorseful of my actions, and I've tried to learn from them, and run from them. Now I'm aware of the extent of the impact of my actions. I learned yesterday the extent to which I left these women who admired me feeling badly about themselves and cautious around other men who would have never put them in that position. I also took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community, which disabled them from sharing their story and brought hardship to them when they tried because people who look up to me didn't want to hear it. I didn't think that I was doing any of that because my position allowed me to not think about it. There is nothing about this that I forgive myself for and I have to reconcile it with who I am, which is nothing compared to the task I left them with. I wish I had reacted to their admiration of me by being a good example to them as a man and given them some guidance as a comedian, including because I admired their work. The hardest regret to live with is what you've done to hurt someone else, and I can hardly wrap my head around the scope of hurt I brought on them. I'd be remiss to exclude the hurt that I've brought on people who I work with and have worked with uh, whose professional and, and personal lives have been impacted by all this, including projects currently in production, the cast and crew of Better Things, Baskets, The Cops, One Mississippi, and I Love You Daddy, which was his movie, the release of which was canceled um, by theaters as a result of this scandal. Um, I deeply regret that this has brought negative attention to my manager, Dave Becky, who only tried to mediate a situation that I caused. I've brought anguish and hardship to the people at FX who have given me so much, The Orchard, who took a chance on my movie, and every other entity that has bet on me through the years. I brought pain to my family, my friends, my children, and their mother. I have spent my long and lucky career talking and saying anything I want. I will now step back and take a long time to listen. Thank you for reading. Yeah, so I you think know, that was handled fairly well. Yeah, so I mean, you can't you can't read sincerity and you can't undo what's been done. But you know, he he took he the said what none of these on. other people had said. Yeah. Um, and I I will say we won't get into exactly what he says in the special, but towards the end he does talk about the controversy, um, and I feel it needed to be talked about. And I think I think he kind of handled it well. He doesn't say too much. He didn't. I don't. He didn't really. I mean, he 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 didn't apologize for it or like talk about like the victims at all. He just yeah, he just talked yeah, about drang, like doing drang, bad for yeah, himself. During the stand up, it's true. He didn't really spend a lot of time talking about yeah what you know like yeah, but the apology I, side of it. But, I think that's what that apology's for. Yeah. Like it's you can't. It's, I can't remember who said it, but you can't grovel your whole life. I mean, th that's the thing is like with shame. I mean, of course he did something very acutely wrong, um, you know, and, you know, I, I it, you know, he 
you know, depending on the, if, if the circumstances and time period had been different, he might have even gotten criminally charged for some of that stuff. And maybe he should have been. Uh, he did lose, he estimates, you know, about, you know, $35 million or more in income, you know, during the two or so years that he was basically just like out of the picture. Um, but it's like, you know, whether you or I or any of his, you know, strongest critics, I guess, like it or how they feel about it. I mean, he's not dead yet. He's not going away. Um, you can't just magic somebody out of existence. South Park has talked about this, too. Um, I think that cancel culture gives people an opportunity, especially people who have been powerless, you know, to do something about abuses by the powerful. But, you know, it's it doesn't make him go away. Um, and he's, he's back. Yeah. And I think, I think the, he didn't necessarily apologize in a special, but the tone of it was like, don't ever do what I did. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of telling people that what he did was wrong and that you should always, you know, be, be in tune to how people around you are feeling. And even if they say something's okay, it doesn't mean everything's okay. Yeah, like that's kind of what he gets into, and I think that that aspect of it was handled well. Here, he apologized. Like, I guess he maybe could have thrown in an apology in the special if others haven't heard that statement he put out. But I, I, th- I think his message was very much like just because people say something doesn't mean it's necessarily true. So you should always, you know, be be conscientious of how others feel around you even if it seems like they're okay because that's that could be just a defense mechanism of theirs when they truly feel uncomfortable yeah and i mean he and he does tackle you know that pretty head-on with um you know i think with some honesty and i mean i you know whether or not you know i don't know i mean it's uh it's not really, I guess, whether or not it's forgivable is just such a such a weird thing to talk about after you know going from Weinstein to this. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, other comedians have even like like Dave Chappelle has weighed in on this in detail in one of his recent specials, and I think that's a Netflix special actually. So even though Netflix, you know, is you know, I guess to their credit, is refusing to work, you know, with Louis for you know the foreseeable future. Um, you know, they didn't try to, their producers didn't try to stop Dave Chappelle from actually not defending his actions, but defending him as a person, you know, being like, basically, this doesn't make him all bad, I think, is at least Dave Chappelle's take on it. Yeah. I'm not going to weigh in because I don't want people fucking burning my house down. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I don't think I already said this, but... One thing he does, like, when he does in his acts talk about, like, anything deviant or sexual, it definitely has, like, a different tone to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually much more self-referential, and it's not, hey, this is a character I was pretending I was playing, you know, for years. But even when he's joking around about it, it just has a different tone than it used to, you know, like, because it's in the back of your mind. And that kind of leads into, like, how I feel about the separation aspect. I don't think that you can separate the art from, or like Louis from his scandal on this. Um, but I think, I mean, he did directly talk about it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. But what, what I think you should instead do is watch it through a lens, knowing his history. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't, don't, don't forget about it. Yeah. Don't forget about it. Know exactly what went down and just watch it through that lens. And you, 
if you don't want to enjoy it, that's totally fine. But if you if you do, I think you can still enjoy it. But um, you should be aware of what went down. Yeah, I think it's 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 at no point something that can that can or should be swept under the rug. Um, but you can't sweep a person under the rug unless you're sweeping them into jail. And this sounds like, at least from a legal perspective, it never, never, never got to that point. Um, now, th- there are people we've talked about who've avoided, you know, jail and, you know, the system has swept them under the rug. The system and the public have at times forgiven some of these people. And I think, you know, especially in the wake of the Me Too movement as, you know, um, you know, it's it, it's important to continue to hold people accountable, um, you know, especially people that you might have looked up to. Your thoughts, Nathaniel? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I I pretty much agree with you, Sam. Um, you can't really separate the art from the artist because his art, like you, yeah, he literally talks about it. Um, and like even previously too, like he made so many like masturbation jokes that like you realize now it's like I don't know if that was a joke actually. Yeah, <laughs> like I think I think that was like one of the things that kind of hurt about it is that like you know you you just kind of like you know you have to assume that comedy is comedy, right? It's a separate world from the real world. You know, a lot of times the comedians go up and tell stories, even if they're rooted in truth, usually the story is ultimately like all BS. It's for a joke. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, and like there are jokes where they'll be like, Oh, and for this joke, da da da, you know, like where it's like self-aware and like with his jokes, there was so much material that was far too parallel to his real life. Just like just just an obsession with jerking off. And like, honestly, that may have been like some kind of weird, you know, outlet for him to like, you know, teehee talk about it, you know, with like really fully talking about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember the day that this dropped, like I happened to have, you know, coincidentally an appointment with my therapist and it was like the first thing that I brought up. I was just like, ugh, you're not going to believe who is next in, you know, getting exposed and like what happened. And I told her and she was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, um, he was, um, by you know by a lot of people who follow comedy you know he was pretty beloved and you know he's he's really gonna have to work to uh you know to try to earn that you know same respect back from people what was your therapist analysis on the fact that when you found out you were jerking off i don't know you know uh and she's a youngian psychologist so i don't think there was a whole lot of freud going on there or anything if that's what you're getting at no no, no. <laughs> So yeah, this is a very downer way to uh, conclude our um, great idea of Monster Movie Month. Yeah. It's, it's some heavy stuff, but uh, we can riff on the movies and Something we can say separate like end, from end with a joke. Isn't that how you do a presentation? Or is it start with a joke? I think start with a joke. Okay. Um, so, but you know, we're going to do the reverse and we're going to end with a joke. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
why did the scarecrow get a promotion? Because he kept quiet about sexual assault allegations against his <laughs> boss. That's kind of the theme here. <laughs> no. Why? Because he was outstanding in his field. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, this concludes <laughs> Monster Movie Month. Um, our first month-long string of episodes and. I think it went all right, but uh Yeah, I hope I we know. didn't re traumatize any, you know, people. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I don't know if these are gonna need a trigger warning or not. Um <laughs> Yeah, probably. Um but so essentially Happy Halloween. I hope you have a good Halloween. Um Stay safe, wear a fucking mask. Jesus wear Christ. A mask I'm seeing and... people not wearing masks and I don't and I don't just mean like a Halloween mask. Like wear yeah. a fucking COVID mask under your Halloween mask. Your Halloween mask itself, you know, although there were a lot of memes of like people wearing those to the grocery store at the height of this shit earlier this year, you know, it's, it's it hasn't gone anywhere. Just just get a fucking mask. Wear a mask. Enjoy Halloween. Um where maybe five days away from a big election enjoy that we'll uh we'll talk to you on the other side of a uh, spooky day and uh an even spookier election godspeed america stay God's, spooky everybody godspeed we'll we'll be back stay safe everybody we'll see you next week love your neighbor bye